here with Alex. Hello. And Alex, I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. If you were some sort of robot, you know, built to serve humanity, what would your function be? Boy, I guess I would build more robots. Oh, you'd be a robot to build more robots? Yes, I think that's the way I'd go. Oh, man. So you'd be like that one, you'd be like that one type of robot in Horizon Zero Dawn that spelled the end of humanity, basically. Basically, yeah. 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 Yeah, I bet y'all didn't expect to get spoiled on Horizon Zero Dawn, a game that came out two years ago. <laughs> well, guess what? <laughs> y'all messed up. Y'all decided to listen to this podcast. <laughs> I, I myself would be some sort of um, really, really bad cleaning robot. Like one that always leaves streaks on the windows. Mm. And then one question about him goes, hey, listen, you know, I just want to make sure that there's a human touch to this because I just yeah. want to be human. And they'll be like, oh, look at you. You're just a, you're a funny little robot. Isn't that great? And that's how I keep him getting dismantled. Yep. That's that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I think we both have solid choices. And if you can't uh, tell from that little bit, we're talking about a little video game series today called Mega Man. And not just Mega Man, Mega Man, but the entire Mega Man series proper. Because, who boy, if there was a series that wasn't completely and absolutely nuts i think uh i think this would be probably the closest thing to it alex what experience do you have with the Mega Man series a lot but nothing nothing like consistent it's hmm. mostly just picking up various Mega Man games and playing them uh so i know i've played x i've played some of the original Mega Man's uh nine was hmm. the first uh sort of remake demake one I played mm-hmm. that one uh played some of the zero fran of uh, the first zero game mm-hmm. uh so yeah sort of all over the place with it yeah and I, I think that's probably the vast majority of people's experience with Mega Man is that they, they've like you know picked at various games in each of the each of the series you know some battle network here some original series here mm-hmm. uh Mostly because again, there's a, there's just a ton of those games out there, so it's imp- it's impossible unless you're a crazy person to play them all. Which I am a crazy person, Alex. I know. I have. <laughs> yes, yeah, you like you, you didn't need to tell me that. <laughs> I have played literally all but one game in the series. Which we- is the one you haven't played? Mega Man ZX Advent. Oddly enough, I think that's on the DS, right? That is correct. Yeah, I played that one. Yeah, it seems like a good game. I really should get around to it someday. I actually do own it, but yeah, it's haven't, all right. yeah, I haven't gone to that one. But like, I've played Super Venture Rock Man. I've played the weird Fortune Street slash Monopoly game Rock War. Oh, That's Paradise. No. I have. Oh, no. I recently played uh, Mega Man Battle and Chase, the incredibly bad. Uh, what's uh, what's it called? Kart Racer. So, like, I have played a ton of these games and have played them repeatedly. It's my favorite video game series of all time. And I would, I would say, I would make the argument that, like, as far as, like, pure consistency goes, Mega Man may be the greatest video game series of all time in terms of quality. Hmm. Somebody else probably could argue against me and be like, well, what about Super Mario Brothers? And I go, ah, yeah, well, you know. But the high, the highs in Mario for us is like a higher, but like 
Mega Man is such an even keel consistency. It's like you can pick up pretty much any one of those games. You're probably going to have a good time unless you don't like that style of game, in which case you're going to hate every single one of them. <laughs> well, so the back half of the X series exists. I mean, true, but I'm also an X7 defender, so I don't, oh, have, a, I don't boy, have good this opinions. This is going to be an episode. Oh, this is going to be an episode. <laughs> Well, this is going to be an episode for many reasons, because when I first came up with this idea of uh, falling through plot holes, which I actually should explain what this even even is about. It's about legacy franchises and the the weird storylines that uh, end up going crazy within uh, within their games. This is the series that I thought of first, because it is a game series. And I, I normally don't say what the, uh, the podcast subtitle is going to be, but the subtitle on this is going to be... Uh, um, Mega Man is a series that starts out with googly-eyed construction equipment and ends in multiple genocides. Because this game is... It starts with a very basic premise and a very cutesy premise. And then, starting at about 1993, they decide, what if we made this more for teenagers? And then it goes all downhill from there. And I think there's uh, definitely some, some reasons why that happens. And both on the development side as well as involving certain people involved with the franchise that I'm very, very excited to talk about. So this is going to be a multi-parter. We're going to at least have two parts, and it might be a third, depending on how we how far we get today. But um, I'm going to say that today's episode is honestly going to be kind of just like a more bland setup episode <laughs> where we're going to actually get into like some crazy stuff. But boy... If you think anything that happens here is a little bit off the rails, you have not seen anything yet. The train does not derail until much later down the track. <laughs> I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. As am I. As am I. So before we start, I want to take some time to talk about the company behind the series, Capcom. Because I think it'll help demonstrate the direction... Uh, that goes with the series because Capcom has a very particular direction they take with their popular franchises. That includes Mega Man, Street Fighter, whatever. Capcom is a company that rarely invents the wheel, but they certainly are capable of reinventing it. I I think they're one of the the greatest uh, video game developers of all time. I, I think you'll probably place them in top five easily. But to punctuate where I'm going with it, oh, go ahead, Alex. I was going to say, I agree with that statement. I might also argue they're one of the five worst video game developers of all time. You know, I, I think I would agree with that. There's certain, not only just because there's certain eras of Capcom that are very, very bad. Mm. Xbox 360 era of Capcom is really rough. It's but, rough. But also because of like what I'm about to talk about right now. So in order to punctuate this, I want to give three examples. First, Capcom didn't invent the fighting game genre. That credit likely goes to games such as Karate Champ or ER Kung Fu. Mm. But with the release of Street Fighter, and more importantly, Street Fighter 2, they are responsible for what a fighting game is today. Nearly every Mm -hmm. 2D fighting game at least has some of the DNA of that game within itself. Like, the idea of a combo comes from a glitch that happens in Street Fighter 2, for instance. Uh, The basic round structure, stuff like that, kind of comes from that game. You don't Mm. have fighting games without Street Fighter 2, or at least not what we see in them as today. Second, Capcom didn't invent the arcade beat-em-up. You could point to Technos with Double Dragon or Renegade, or even like Karateka as the first true beat-em-up. 
However, it's Capcom's final fight that took the world by storm. Nearly every beat-em-up to this day has some elements of final fight in it in some way, shape, or form, and arcade-style beat-em-ups are making a really big resurgence nowadays. So you have that, like you have uh, Capcom's DNA just kind of all over this one genre alone as well. Finally, and this is a little bit, this one's a little bit wonky because Capcom may actually have invented the survival horror genre with a game in 1989 called Sweet Home for the NES, but that's kind of more of an RPG. Mm. But the survival horror genre in the form that we know today, kind of a more action-y sort of thing, likely could be traced back to the 1992 game by Infogrames called Alone in the Dark. Mm-hmm. Like, it literally looks like very basic uh, Resident Evil. It's kind of crazy. But Capcom's Resident Evil, released in 1996, is considered to be the standard bearer of the genre going forward. Like, mm-hmm. games after that, they are compared to Resident Evil. So the point I'm trying to make is that Capcom is a company that is very capable of not only making some revolutionary titles, but huge hits even if they rarely get there first. This, however, belies the second point I want to make about Capcom. When they have a successful series, they will run it into the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back to those three examples, right? Yep. So Street Fighter II, excellent game. It has five different iterations of Street Fighter II alone released in the 1990s for various consoles. <laughs> now, that's not even talking about, though, the prequel series, Street Fighter Alpha, that has three separate titles, and the third game has four different iterations released alone. And mind you, released at full price released. There are, there are five distinct mainline titles in the series. There is multiple pseudo-sequels of spin-offs, such as the EX series. I had a hard time getting an accurate count, but there appears to be about 28 distinct games in the series, not counting re-releases. Now, Final Fight is rather restrained comparatively, but it still has six games in its series, not including a game released for the Super Nintendo that's called Final Fight Guy, which is literally just they released Final Fight for the Super Nintendo and they couldn't include all the characters. So they re-released the game took out one of the characters, swapped in the character of Guy, and went, here you go. (laughs) (laughs) In the U.S., in the U.S. at least, it wasn't, like, sold. It was just, um, it was sold to Blockbuster to be released as a rental title, but it's still pretty egregious. Yep. Resident Evil, however, speaking of egregious, is probably one of the most of. So, there's only ten mainline games, technically, in the series. Uh, and that's, you know, between, what, 1996 and now, 2021? That's that's not too bad, right? But if you go beyond that, there are 27 or so games, including <laughs> two PS2 online-only titles. Oh, two no. of them. The PlayStation 2 did not come with a modem or a hard drive. <laughs> and Capcom oh. made two of them. <laughs> and that game required both of those things. Yes, they did. No, I guess it didn't require the hard drive. It was just essentially unplayable without it. Yeah. Because the load times were like five minutes. Yeah, something like that. It was like it was more hard drive uh, necessary rather than required, Yeah, if that makes any sense. So this might not seem as bad as Street Fighter. Because, you know, Street Fighter has 28 separate titles, 20 to 27 for Resident Evil. Until you remember there's 10 movies. Oh, right. Multiple unreleased games, including a Game Boy Color conversion of Resident Evil that's kind of impressive, actually, and a ridiculous number of ports. If you, like, you can go to Capcom's uh, financial part of their Japanese website, and I think there's 118 separate titles under Resident Evil. Oh, God. Here's the thing, though. The kink of them all is Mega Man. 
Yeah. <laughs> Alex, I want to ask you, and you want I want you to give me your best educated guess. Mm-hmm. Between the years of 1990 and 1999, so the 90s, right? Mm-hmm. How many total Mega Man games were released? Not not like re-releases or anything like that, just fresh Mega Man games. I'm going to say 36. You know, Capcom wasn't that bad, but you're close. 28. Right. Okay. Yeah, there were 28 games released. Like I believe it was like Mega Man 3 for 8, Super Adventure Rockman, Rockboard, Rockman Battle and Chase, uh, Mega Man X 1 through 4, uh, and, a, and a few others here and there were released right. during that period. Now, I will say, given there was like six or seven years in there where Capcom adamantly refused to do anything with Mega Man, that's still kind of rough. Oh, no, during... Oh, this guy's actually going to get really crazier with that. <laughs> oh, so, yeah? Oh, yeah. Um, because I, th- I think it's somewhere between 1990 and... Uh, no, actually, 19, 1989 and 2007? 2008? I have these numbers mm-hmm. written down somewhere in here. Uh, there was always at least one Mega Man title released per year. Yeah, that sounds right. One year had six of them released. In the main series alone, there are 30 total releases for Mega Man. So just OG Mega Man, Blue Bomber. The Grand Mega Man Chronology, there are 64 games in total. If you include all re-releases, this balloons up to 158 separate titles. There are too many Mega Man games. Yeah, that's too many. Mm-hmm. Now, while why it's relevant to bring this up is that with each new release, the Mega Man story is advanced in some way, big or small. And this is a big reason why this starts to get off the rails. Because each game, they add on a little bit more, and then they add on a little bit more. And for, like, the main Mega Man series, this doesn't really amount to much. But once you get to, like, X or Zero or ZX, the stakes get higher and higher, and they escalate quicker and quicker. And that's how that's how you go from having really cute little, like, oh, man, this is a fire truck with googly eyes, ah, to most of humanity is dead. Yeah. So it's, and what's crazy is that it's not just that like Mega Man is like in its own separate universe and Mega Man X is in its own separate universe. They're all together. They are all linked officially, with a few exceptions that we'll get to. So the history of Mega Man itself is a little atypical of most gaming franchises. In the mid 80s, Capcom was mostly making arcade games and they would port those arcade games to home consoles. But they want to start focusing on the console market like as well, just like making bespoke games for it. So Mega Man was one of the titles that came out of that initiative. Uh, developed with a six-person team, including Akira uh, Kitamura, Minami Masume, Kenji Unifune, who we're going to talk an awful lot about. I'm sure we will. And producer Takshia Nishiyama. Uh, Nishiyama, a very interesting person, later would have a hand in creating the Fatal Fury series. Mm. Yeah. You know, fun little fact. Uh, Mega Man is a platforming game about a blue robot who sets out on a mission to stop an evil mad scientist from taking over the world with robots he reprogrammed for evil. The gameplay loop is novel compared to other games at the time. Uh, you can pick pretty much any stage from right from the start, and it consists of a rock-paper-scissors approach where you acquire a new power from a boss called a Robot Master, and then you use that to exploit a weakness either to get you past the stage easier or to help defeat a boss easier. 
And part of the fun is that with this freeform approach, you can kind of choose to figure out like what's the best path for you through these games. And you can do like really cool challenge runs with them. And there's like there's a surprising amount of replayability in the Mega Man games, despite how rigid they otherwise are. Now, upon release, Mega Man was modestly successful, but not enough that Capcom was particularly interested in making a sequel. The Mega Man team, though, uh, particularly director Akira Kitamura, was insistent on making a sequel, and Capcom eventually relented, on the condition that they make the game in their spare time. Now, you want to know what the game was that they were working on at the time? Around that time, um... You're not going to guess what it is. Okay, I, yeah, I give up. The game was called Professional Baseball Murder Mystery. That is an incredibly Japanese game. I so want to play this game. I want to track this down this game and play it. It sounds fascinating. <laughs> so over a three to four month period, they worked after hours to develop what was essentially the template from which the majority of the Mega Man games was later derived from. This included eight bosses and stages to start from, a fortress to fight through after you beat said bosses, support items and health refills you could use when you need them, and so on. Now, this game was incredibly successful. It was a massive success when it released in December of 1988. It sold 1.5 million copies worldwide, which for the time was a ton. Mm -hmm. If Capcom's investor relations page is to be believed, which I would certainly hope so, it was their top-selling game in the 1980s. To this day, it's still the top-selling Mega Man game. And with this success, the floodgates are now open, and Capcom is going to milk the series for all it's worth. What, you mean they are not going to jump all over that professional baseball murder mystery success? Could you imagine if, like, yeah, professional baseball murder mystery sold, like, 2 million copies, and instead this podcast is about this? <laughs> Could you about... imagine? Oh. <laughs> so 300 years in the future, you know, Barry Bonds X. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. That game better have become, like, a Phoenix Wright case or something. Oh, man, right? That that seems like a missed opportunity, if not. Uh, yeah, I, Capcom loves, like, sprinkling references to their old games all over the place. So, like, yeah, they, they had to have, right? They must have. Oh, man, yeah, I'm, I am definitely going to research that because I want to know. <laughs> but yeah, Mega Man 3 would be released in 1990. And after that, a new Mega Man game would be released every year until 2011. Yeah, so... That's too many. That is too many. And yeah, once again, it's not uncommon for some years to have multiple Mega Man titles. Like, a lot of times, three to four, or in 2003, there were six titles released. Which is well right. after Mega Man's <laughs> heyday, by the way. Yep. Now, it would be reasonable to think that the sheer amount of games would mean this is Capcom's most successful series. I mean, this was... Mega Man was for the longest time thought of as Capcom's mascot. Which was not true, but... Right. That's actually Captain Commando, and he has a very terrible beat-em-up that you should never play. Oh, boy. <laughs> Great system Marvel vs. Capcom 2. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so going back to Capcom with Japan's financial section of their website, while the total sales of the Mega Man series has been around a respectable 36 million copies, it's far less respectable when you do the math and realize that's about 225,000 titles uh, sold like per, per game. Like, when you compare that to, like, Resident mm -hmm. Evil, it comes out to about right. 750k. Monster Hunter is about 135 million per title. Like, even Onimusha averages around 500k per title. 
Now, right, obviously, although go ahead. that only had four or five, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, certainly. And like, obviously the sheer amount of titles will drive the average down, but it really makes you wonder how, why this series got so many games pumped into it in the first place. I have a guess. I have a couple of guesses too. And the reasons seem to be twofold. The first is simple economics. Most of these games were not expensive to produce. Hmm. Assets such as graphics, common musical motifs, and a general overall structure of game engine would be reused from game to game. Like, and it doesn't matter the series either. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Legends, whether it's Battle Network, Mega Man, whatever. Right. Like, they reuse those sprites and those 3D models. True. So, these games rarely had a large scope or massive development team, and in general, they could be made rather quickly. Like, a lot of these games were developed over months. Mm-hmm. Like, Kenji Inafune talks about how they made Mega Man 7 over the course of, like, four to five months or something like that. Something ridiculously, ridiculously short. In the 1990s, it was rare to sell more than a million copies of a game, much less two million. So if you release four similar games and they generate two million in sales, as opposed to a big game that sold a little over a million, you mm-hmm. might actually make out a little bit better overall. Right. And like, it sort of makes sense. Like, everybody I knew growing up loved Mega Man, but they also always played like maybe like one or two of the Mega Man games. Like, even mm-hmm. growing up, like I played Mega Man 3 and Mega Man X. Like, I... Like, I barely played a little bit of Mega Man 4 here, and, like, I pined after the rest, but that's, like, I only own, like, a couple of those games. Right. So it sort of makes sense. Like, they just kind of, like, shotgun-saturated the market with these. So the second has to do with a man by the name of Kenji Inufune. There it is. Yep. So I've mentioned Inufune's name before as part of the development staff for the original Mega Man, when he was brought on as an illustrator and later character designer for Mega Man. While one of his first projects was doing graphics work for Street Fighter, uh, the actual first Street Fighter game, he did the portraits, it was Mega Man where he would ultimately make his mark. He's often referred to as the father of Mega Man, which is untrue. Mm-hmm. And is in his defense, in a 2007 interview at the Tokyo Game Show, he clarified that, and this is a direct quote translated to English, uh, which I guess doesn't really make it that direct, you know what I mean. I'm often called the father of Mega Man, but actually, his design was already created when I joined Capcom. My mentor, Akira Kitamura, who was the designer of the original Mega Man, had a basic concept of what Mega Man should look like. So I only did half the job in creating him. Basically, Kitamura kind of came up with his design, and Inafune ended up like streamlining that design and more or less coming up with uh, what Mega Man looks like today. Mm-hmm. Like, um, him and the other members of the development team are the reason why he's blue. Because the NES color palette had more shades of blue than any other color. And so Mm. it helped him stand out amongst the background, uh, allowed his animations to look smoother because of that. Right. Like, stuff like that. So, Inafune's role on the Mega Man series through most of the 80s and 90s is not normally a position that a person would need to be in for a lasting impact on the series. Like... At least on the grand scope that he has, I should say. While he was a lead artist through most of the early series and later would be involved in some planning, he was never a director, and he only started being a producer for the series on Mega Man 8, so a good 10 years into the series. However, as he continued to work at Capcom throughout the years, he did move up in seniority and eventually would wield a ton of power within Capcom. Uh, To give you an example of that power, when Yoshinori Ono wanted to make Street Fighter 4, 
there was not a whole lot of will at Capcom to let that happen. Like, the fighting game genre was considered dead at that point. So he mm-hmm. went to Inafune for his approval and to help make this happen. And Inafune was like, yeah, this sounds like a good idea. And he pushed for it, and he got it to happen. Mm-hmm. Inafune and his team also helped shepherd along Dead Rising during a very bad period of Capcom's history and made it happen. And Dead Rising is like one of the lone bright spots from like the mid 2000s for capcom right and all during that time inafune seemed to be constantly making a push for various Mega Man projects while i don't have too many specific examples of this i will say that when inafune left the company very abruptly in 2010 three separate Mega Man projects were in development and all three were canceled like within like a year or two yeah yeah and there was no new game after that until 2018's Mega Man 11. Yeah, so that was the period where Capcom just said, no more Mega Man. Mega Man goes away now. Yeah, Mega Man goes away. We're, we are on the Resident Evil train, and <laughs> we are going towards that cliff. Oh, Capcom. <laughs> yeah, Capcom's in a really good position nowadays. I'm pretty happy yes. with where Capcom is, but boy, those... Boy, those, those two whole generations... Mm-hmm. It was like, first it was sort of Inafune being like, we need to embrace Western video game design. Take this new Devil May Cry. And everyone said no. Yeah. And then they got rid of him and were like, all right, Inafune's gone. It's back to the golden ages. Resident Evil 6, let's go. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, oh. Resident Evil 6. Oh, boy, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to get more into, like, Inafune's, like, later impacts in Capcom in, like, the second mm. part. Because, boy, yeah, there's a lot to talk about with that. Yeah, there is. But, man, yeah, he uh, he had some ideas. And, like, it's stuff that I don't, like, really disagree with too much. But he no. there's definitely a feeling that they went about it wrong, right? I really like the concept of Lost Planet. Yeah, me too. Lost Planet is a game that is a good idea until you play it. Yep, pretty much. So, what may ultimately be his biggest impact, though, is that for some unexplained reason, in 1993, he started to write the plots for the Mega Man series, starting with Mega Man X. And let me tell you, he's going to have some ideas. <laughs> now, we'll be touching back on Inafune as we go through things, but for now, I think it's time that we start talking about the story of Mega Man. Yes. So, before we get into that, there are two things I want to go over before we get started. The first is that we're not going to cover every single Mega Man game, because otherwise we'll be here until the heat death of the universe. <laughs> so we're going to be focusing on the main plot through line, so we're not going to be talking about the um, the Game Boy games. Great games, but we're not going to be talking about them. Uh, if you want to know what's relevant to them, uh, robot aliens exist. There you go. Makes sense. And time travel, oddly enough. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> We also um, won't be talking about like things like Rockboard or Battle and Chase or whatnot. Like it's just we're gonna try to make this as streamlined as possible. Yeah. We also aren't gonna be talking about Battle Network or Star Force because that's actually in its own separate timeline. Mm, right, right. Yeah, it's it's predicated on the idea of what happens if Doctor Light instead of making advanced robotics, he invents the internet. Right. And um, in a surprise twist, the world actually ends up better, which. Given what I know about the internet today, would not have guessed. Yeah, but I suppose the internet can't wield as many flamethrowers, so. Hmm. True, true. There's some really, 
there's some really prescient things in like the early Battle Network games that like when I played them, it was like, oh, nobody could take control of your oven. That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get stories about like, oh man, this person bought like an internet control chastity belt and now there's mm. ransomware on it. And it's like, I'm not ready for this future. No, it seems bad. Mm-hmm. Also, I was going to say, I imagine Capcom would rather you forgot that time travel exists because that would solve a lot of problems that our heroes are going to run into. Oh, a ton. An absolute ton. <laughs> the second thing I want to point out, though, is that a lot of the background story and information is not actually in the games. Like for the later parts of the series, it totally is. Mm-hmm. But like, OG Mega Man and a lot of Mega Man X, it isn't. You have to go and get books like such as Rockman Perfect Memories or other art books. And I've I've done that. I've went and took a look at them, but I am relying on fan translations and wikis and the like. Mm -hmm. So while I did my best to verify the information is correct to to the best of my abilities, there's a chance that one or two points of information may be incorrect here and there. Please feel free to correct me on this. I certainly want to be as accurate about this as possible. But know that I put forth a good faith effort to make sure that this information was as accurate as possible. And with that, let's dive into Mega Man. Yes. So, Alex, our story begins in the year 20XX. The XX being whatever years you want to put in there. In a future that is about as bright and optimistic as possibly could be. Like, every day is sunny, birds are singing constantly, and it's just absolutely optimistic. The world seems to be at perpetual peace, and humanity is prospering. Robots are part of everyday life, and a lot of this is thanks in large part to the genius of a one Dr. Thomas Light. Now, I'm sure you know what Dr. Light looks like, but for the people at home who do not, uh, Dr. Light is basically what is Santa Claus put on a trench coat, uh, not a trench coat, uh, a lab coat. Mm -hmm. Literally, his design was modeled after Santa Claus. Yep, that makes sense. (laughs) So once again, Dr. Light, very Santa Claus looking man who graduated from the Robot Institute of Technology, or RIT. He won multiple design contests and even won the Nobel Prize in Physics, according to the Rockman 4 instruction manual. Dr. Light had a clear interest in helping humanity, and he thought the best way of doing this was by building advanced robots capable of a high degree intelligence, if not independent thought. Because the idea is like, hey, you can make a robot capable of running a power plant, but if they're, they have like advanced AI... They Mm -hmm. could diagnose problems before they happen or optimize things, you know, make life better for everybody. Right. So Dr. Light, after he graduated, began this process by building a prototype robot with this level of intelligence. However, Alex, this came with a slight flaw. Mm -hmm. So the first flaw was that Dr. Light kind of screwed up and this robot had a faulty power generator. Ooh. So Dr. Light found this out after he activated the robot, and he tried to explain to the robot, hey, I'm going to repair you, so i got to like turn you off and whatnot and do all this. And the robot misunderstood this because he thought, he was like, oh, he's going to take my independence away. And so he did something rather reasonable, and he ran the hell away. Mm. So he just like, yep. if you go by the Mega Man cartoon, he just blew a hole in the wall and just like, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Why did he have the firepower to blow a hole in the wall? Oh, in in the Mega Man cartoon, it's because nobody in the Mega Man cartoon is smart. Certainly not Dr. Light. Uh-huh. Okay. So he just had a blaster on him. He's like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, what was this robot designed for? So this was just... Oh, um, in the cartoon, I'm not sure. But like in 
this universe it just as like kind of like a prototype kind of a proof of concept okay yeah because it seems to be armed <laughs> it's it seems to be yeah in, in a in a cartoon it's just like i don't know dr light just likes putting weapons on things <laughs> it's really strange all right fair enough <laughs> so this was an obvious setback but dr light didn't give up and he created two more robots in the same vein except without the bad generator these robots were rock and roll a brother-sister duo whose intended design was to be house-cleaning and just general assistant robots to Dr. Light, but whom Dr. Light would grow to love as though they were his own children. Uh, Dr. Light loves all his robots, basically. Because yes. uh, he, he's pretty strong about, like, oh, I'm building these with AI. We should treat them with respect. So I do want to briefly touch on the fact that at this point, Dr. Light has taken it upon himself to create artificial intelligence with free will and sentience. Mm-hmm. And just sort of threw that out into the world. So to be fair, and this is something that's explained in Mega Man 11, uh, mm. the actual like Robot Institute technology and like a council of scientists go like, okay, no, we're going to go with your research. And, okay. Yeah. They give them approval to do this. So yeah, it's, it's not, there's going to be a moment where Dr. Like probably does overstep his bounds. <laughs> that's that's going to be in Mega Man X when he makes a decision that maybe uh. is not the best. Right. <laughs> so now these robots, while they do have AI, it's um, it's important to mention that while they're capable of independent thought, it's only mostly true. They still have specific programming. Hmm. And one thing that's, for instance, that's programmed in all Dr. Light's robots are the three laws of robotics. The um, And for those of you who don't remember your Isaac Asimov, these three laws are thus. Number one. A robot may not injure a human being or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. Number two, a robot must obey the orders given to it by a human except when such orders would conflict with the first law. And number three, a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. And it's just the three three basic laws. There's no zeroth law, for instance. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, That law being that no robots can harm humans if it saves other humans' lives. That that law does not exist. Um, And so this obviously makes sense and points to Dr. Light not being completely naive about his creations. He realizes robots are strong, and if you give a robot, like, the capability of, like, melting steel, it could probably melt people, right? Mm -hmm. So these first two robots are a huge success, and Dr. Light decides to create even more specialized robots now to help humanity in various tasks. So we're not going to go over every robot that appears in all the the Mega Man games, because once again, Heat Death of the Universe and all that. Right. But these robots would would be different in that they would be made for various industrial and research needs. And these first six robots were called Robot Masters because they were basically commanding other robots. They're called Cut Man, created for tree trimming and lumber cutting. Bomb Man and Guts Man, two robots made for construction and land uh, reclamation. Iceman, who was made for Arctic research. Uh, Fireman, made for waste disposal. And Electman, made to control electricity and to work at varying nuclear power plants. Uh, fun fact about Electman, in-game, he, well, uh, not in-game, but like in source books, he is mm-hmm. often pointed to as being Dr. Light's greatest creation and being really, really cool and popular and so powerful. He's really? the one He's the one robot master that was designed by Kenji Inufune. Ah... Uh. There it is. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's good. That's going to be a trend going forward. <laughs> so, and to be fair, to be fair, like man is kind of cool. But yeah. uh, 
These robots were a huge success and it seemed like the future is bright. However, there was another brilliant scientist out there who was tired of all the praise Dr. Light was getting. His name was Dr. Albert Wiley. Now, Dr. Wiley looks basically like Albert Einstein, for those of you at home, and he's a... That's his intended design as well. He's intended to look like um, good old, uh, the good old doctor. And uh, he, um, except his hair is like somehow even more exaggerated. And he loves skulls. Like mm-hmm. he has like a skull belt buckle and whatnot. He loves skull <laughs> motifs. I absolutely love Dr. Wiley too. He's, he's, I, I do as well. He's, he's a cackling villain through and through. And he's, he's so great. Yeah. So Wiley is a former friend of Dr. Light's who had a falling out with him at some point in the past mostly because he was constantly in Dr. Light's shadow. He also graduated with a PhD from the Robot Institute of Technology, but his he wanted to go like more in the direction of, like, I want to make a robot who's a superhero, so we got to make him super strong, otherwise they're not going to be able to help me, Mandy. And people were like, nah, let's not do that. Let's not make robots capable of lifting buildings and stuff. I, I don't think that's necessary. And... You combine that with the fact that he finished second in every contest he entered to Dr. Light and also was a runner-up to the Nobel Prize for Physics. <laughs> Is that a thing? Yeah, apparently he was. All right. Yeah, so they end up having a falling out, you know, based upon that. Mm. So, yeah, once again, Wiley just wanted to build superhero robots, which seems pretty rad. But the scientific yeah. community was like, no, we're not doing that. And so because of that, he went the mad scientist route, and he promised to get his revenge on the world. So one day, through unknown means, Dr. Wiley manages to steal the six robot masters and reprograms them to do his bidding, betting on the idea that if a robot can, say, burn trash at 7,000 degrees, it probably could burn people and machines just as well. Which, not wrong. Yeah, true. At this time, Dr. Wiley could have stolen rock and roll as well, but he decided not to. He reasoned that simple house-cleaning robots would be no use to him and his plans for world domination. Okay, hang on a second. So Hmm. his desire is to make superheroes and his plan is world domination? Yeah. Like, what was the leap from... Okay, like... Okay, you successfully stolen six crazy cool robots. Mm -hmm. And you're just gonna have them attack people. Like, shouldn't you make them into superheroes to prove your point? I mean, maybe it's like, I mean, oh god, what what is uh, maybe it's like the first Incredibles, right? Where you know, right? You're trying to like show that the world needs superheroes, so you'd like you build like an evil robot, and then you're gonna come in and swoop in and save the day, right? Maybe okay. something like that. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I'll <laughs> ask a follow-up question on that later. <laughs> it, it's funny. Like the, Actually, the plots, like as they get on later and later, usually involve him like framing Dr. Light and being like, no, but I have the solution. I'm a hero. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So this is, this is totally plausible. That's what he's going for. But yeah. So now that Dr. Wiley's armed with six powerful, intelligent robots capable of mass destruction... Dr. Light realizes the world isn't equipped to deal with this threat. So Dr. Light was at a bit of a loss at first, but then Rock, one of his robots, volunteers to become a combat robot to fight Dr. Wily. Dr. Light didn't really want to do this, but he realized he didn't have a choice, and so he heavily modified Rock, giving him a solar-powered arm cannon, a durable blue armor, and giving him a new name, Mega Man. Turns out Dr. Light's really good at making weapons, by the way. Mm. He's real good about that. 
Now, Dr. Light knew this probably wasn't going to be enough, but once again, he's a genius. He created a new type of weapon called the Weapon Copy System that allows Mega Man to assume the powers of any robot he faces, provided he could defeat him first. So, hey, you know, robot that can melt steel beams, so can I. Robot that can freeze things, hey, I can too, like, right. as long as he sees them. So, with that, Mega Man sets off to fight the Robot Masters, who are doing things like hanging out in construction sites and power plants and the like. So, now, despite the fact that Mega Man was kind of a rush job, he proved to be more than capable of fighting and defeating the Robot Masters, and in doing so, he retook control of all the power plants, garbage disposal sites, and, for some reason, Arctic research centers that Dr. Wily felt was necessary to take over. Sure, why not? And so, after that, Mega Man went to Dr. Wily's fortress, which was uh, somewhere. <laughs> he fought his way through the, for- the fortress, defeated specialized machines, and eventually confronted Dr. Wily himself, who piloted the giant machine called a Wily machine. It's kind of... Well, it's not shaped like a skull now, but later iterations would be. Right. Mega Man manages to defeat him. Wily gets blown on the machine, begs Mega Man for forgiveness, and since Mega Man is technically programmed to be a 10-year-old boy, he, uh, grandstand, just sort of leaves. <laughs> oh. Yeah, Wily's like, hey, please forgive me. I won't do it again. Mega Man's like, all right, leaves. <laughs> <laughs> he has learned his lesson. He's learned his lesson. So he walks back home to Dr. Light and Roll victorious, and the six robot masters are rebuilt and put back into service, and that's Mega Man. Okay, so that whole thing basically proved Wily's point. Hmm. About superhero robots. Yeah, it kind of did, didn't it? Because it, it forced Thomas Light to make a superhero robot that then saved humanity. Yep. Yep, totally. <laughs> but here's the thing. It's not his superhero robot. Right. <laughs> so he's going to be super upset about it. He's going to be super salty. I can't decide if Wiley is the smartest or stupidest person in this series. Ah, uh, you know, as the series goes on, <laughs> you're going to be asking that question more and more. Because this man's going to be capable of doing some really amazing things. And then it's also like, but why? Right. Why did you do that? <laughs> why did you make the robotic version of the flu? What? <laughs> mm. So this moves on to Mega Man 2, which I believe takes place like six months afterwards. It takes place pretty shortly after Mega Man. Right. So, Dr. Wily's still out there. He's very angry that he lost to Dr. Light's robots. He's especially angry that he lost to Dr. Light because he always finished his mm-hmm. second. So he right. comes up with a brilliant idea, though. Instead of just stealing other people's robots, what if instead he built a bunch of combat robots from the ground up? All right, it's pretty solid. Don't know why he didn't do that in the first place, but okay. Yeah, so the the indication being that, like, you know, Dr. Light's robots were revolutionary, and so he didn't quite understand just how to build one himself. But then after he reprogrammed the, all those robots, he kind of figured out, okay, this is how these are built. I can build some myself. Right. So first, Wiley built a super cool skull fortress for himself in the middle of a wasteland. And then he got to work. And he, as you do. As you do. And he created eight robots tailor-made for destruction. So I'm going to give just, just a couple of these. These include Woodman, a robot made out of wood. <laughs> Canonically, he is made out of wood. It's pressed cypress. Okay. <laughs> Bubble Man, who I'm sure is a serious threat, and Crash Man. Admittedly, this one is a robot equipped with sticky bombs and actually seems to be a bit of a threat. Unfortunately yeah. for... Yeah, right? Unfortunately for Wily, he wasn't able to stop Mega Man at all. And Dr. Wily's big skull fortress was very easy to find afterwards because it's just a big skull fortress. It's not hard to uh-huh. find. <laughs> and so he 
goes into the fortress, beats up a bunch of like machines and whatnot. Uh, Dr. Wiley tries one last trick where he pretends to be an alien, but it turns out it's just a smoke and mirrors trick with the machine, and that Mega Man literally short circuits with bubbles from Bubble Man. Which, hey, Bubble Man, see, he's useful. Yeah. And yeah. what? And Wiley once again is forced to beg for forgiveness, but he manages to get away. So, Mega Man 3, this is where things get tragic. Oh, no. Because <laughs> Wiley has a change of heart. And then now he wants to work with his former friend to better humanity. And Dr. Light's super pleased by this, because he's an idiot. <laughs> oh, yeah, don't worry about those two whole invasion things. Remember when I tried to murder your adopted son, robot? And also thousands? Yeah, you know, just listen, it's fine. <laughs> Actually, one thing consistent about Dr. Wiley is that he does not kill a single person. All right. Confirmed, anyways. <laughs> he has many opportunities to, but he always backs off at the last minute. Okay. When so we get that, to Mega that Man- whole bomb-based robot was just a, just a, and was, a an idle threat, really. It was really more from Mega Man. Yeah, yeah. It's like when you hold up the bank with a squirt gun, right? You don't intend right. to hurt anybody. So, you see, Dr. Light had another dream of robotics, and he felt that Dr. Wiley could help him with. He wanted to make a giant peacekeeping robot. <sighs> yeah! I feel like that was Wiley's whole idea all along, so <laughs> do you, sure. Do you think it's like Dr., when Dr. Light like proposed that to Dr. Wiley, Wiley's just like <laughs> smiling the entire time, gritting his teeth, it's like, yeah, that sounds real good, this Thomas. Boy, don't know where you came up with that idea. Oh, you son of a bitch, Light. <laughs> <laughs> right? Sure, sure, Light, go go for it. Go yeah, off. I'll gladly help you with this. <laughs> So, he couldn't do this before, though, because he didn't have enough energy for it. But he discovered something new. There were new, powerful energy elements on different Uncharted planets. And by gathering these elements, they would have enough power to, well, power up this robot that's now called Gamma. I know too much about where this goes, but let's go on. Right? So, the elements are all gathered, and to keep them safe, eight new robot masters are created. Each give one of the elements. These include Shadow Man, who might have come from space, because, like, his body's made up of, like, space elements. And nobody knows where they're from. Oh. Hard Man, who's a really hard robot. Okay, sure. And Snake Man, who's just kind of creepy. Yeah, I guess that was... So, the jump from two to three is so astronomical. Because, mm-hmm. like, I was fall, I, I was poking fun for the sake of it, mm-hmm. but it's all fairly straightforward. It's all relatively cromulent. It makes sense. I yeah. can see it. And then this is just like, hey, guy who wanted to make superhero robots, I want to make a superhero robot. Isn't that a great idea I had? Let's go to space to find <laughs> space elements to make that superhero robot. Did you know we're capable of interplanetary travel? Yes, we are. It wasn't possible to make a superhero robot until now. Don't worry about that superhero robot I made. He's not good enough. (laughs) I love him. He's my son, but he's not good enough. Also, I gave him a solar-powered blaster cannon, but we don't have the power source to make a superhero robot. Let's go to space and then make freaking Snake Man 
to guard <laughs> the space elements. <laughs> what if we made this robot as nothing but spikes? No other robot could get near it. <laughs> All right, sure. Yeah, what if we made a robot that's just a top for some reason? Yeah, he he spins. He has really good gyronomics. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's Mega Man Three is like secretly very off the rails in a way that like four, five, and six aren't. It's really it's really great. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so on the verge of Gamma's completion, you'll be surprised to find out these eight robots have gone crazy and taken off the elements. You'd be surprised I won't. <laughs> Will you be surprised that Wiley says that he's not behind it? <laughs> I I will be even less surprised that Light believes him. <laughs> he totally does. Oh, God. Oh. So Mega Man is dispatched to get the energy elements back, and he now has a cool dog. His name's Rush. He can transform oh, him to a yay. jet board. Rush is a good dog. He's a good dog. I love Rush. So Mega Man does eventually get the energy back, but during these travels, he's constantly harassed by a mysterious red robot with a shield, cool shades, and a yellow scarf. He's equipped with similar abilities to Mega Man, and this mysterious robot seems to be testing Mega Man for some strange reason. Now, we don't have time to figure out why this is, because once Mega Man gets the energy back, he has to beat like a few other weird robots called Doc Robots that have like Mega Man 2 powers and whatnot. And, like, he gets all this back, and, like, he gets back to the lab, and Dr. Light's panicked, because he's like, oh, Wily just ran off the energy sources of Gamma, and he went to a skull fortress. I can't... Who let him build another skull fortress? Yeah, that should have been their first things. Like, hey, why are you building another fortress? Shouldn't we, like, be in the same lab working together? And he's like, no, no, I I just need the space. Just, you know... I like school. You don't like schools, Light. I like schools. I just, you know, you want me to work with you. I need a school fortress. <laughs> you know, but just... Why not, right? Sure. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> so that red robot, like, attacks again after this, and he's now under the guise of, like, a robot called Breakman. He gets like, pretty easily <laughs> defeated. And, like... Like, he, like, runs away to Wily's fortress and, like... Mega Man goes after him. He like Mega Man fights through the fortress and like manages to defeat Wily. But before he can arrest Dr. Wily, a giant block of scrap falls on him and Dr. Wily, seemingly killing him. Now the red robot rise, he believes he's like it's too late to save Dr. Wily, so he instead just rescues Mega Man and takes him back to Dr. Light, who gets who repairs him. When Mega Man wakes up, Dr. Light reveals that to not necessarily to Mega Man, but just to people in general, is like, oh, that mm. must be Proto Man, the first robot I ever made, the one that ran away. <laughs> right. Because it turns out after running away, like he ran out of energy, and like Doctor Wily found him and fixed him up, and that's why he ended up working with him. But now he's now Doctor Wily's dead. He's out of the picture. The world uh-huh. is safe, and I guess well Gamma got blown up, so Gamma's out of the right. picture. But yeah. Wait, so so Dr. Light found Proto-Man after he ran out of energy, repaired him anyway, and Proto-Man was just like, cool, goodbye? No, no, Dr. Wily repaired Proto-Man. Oh, okay. Yeah, my mistake on that. Yeah, yeah, that's why he ended up working with Dr. Wily. Oh, I see. Yeah. So, that seems like a really good, like, trilogy kind of ending the, old, the Mega Man series right there, but sequels had to be made. Of so here's Mega Man 4. So, Dr. Wily may be gone, 
peace would not last, because it turns out there's more than one mad scientist, and one day Dr. Light is contacted by a scientist named Dr. Mikhail Serviege Kosick. He claims to be the greatest scientist in the world, and challenges Dr. Light and Mega Man to stop his eight robots that he created. And then those robots start attacking cities. Alright. So, Dr. Light creates a new armed cannon capable of more powerful plasma shots, called the Mega Buster. So that's where that name comes from. Got it. And Mega Man sets out to defeat these eight robots. These include Toad Man, who specializes in irrigation and farming, Skull Man, who's straight up made for combat, and really disappointing that Wily didn't make him. Yeah. And Pharaoh Man, who exists to explore ancient tombs for some reason. Okay, wait, hang on. Why did this guy give these robots practical applications? I thought he made them specifically to attack cities and challenge Mega Man. Hmm, I wonder... We might find out here in the next two sentences. Oh, boy. <laughs> because there is a reason why these all have practical applications. Because Dr. Kosick re- like built them and then reprogrammed them for combat. And, um, you know, there's going to be some commonalities between 4, 5, and 6. I, I, you, know, you and the audience and, uh, and Alex, maybe you'll be able to pick up what's the common element of this. But uh, uh-huh. Mega Man fights his way through Dr. Kosick's lab and manages to defeat him. But before Mega Man can arrest him, Proto Man shows up with a young girl named Kalinka. Kalinka is the daughter of Dr. Kosick, and she was kidnapped by Dr. Wily, who was blackmailing Dr. Kosick into trying to take over the world at Dr. Wily's behest. Okay. Yes, yeah, so that's why he reprogrammed all those robots. Okay. Yeah. So once that happens, Dr. Kosick is like relieved. He's like, oh, hey, Mega Man, I'm so sorry about this. I'm not actually evil. I'll build you a cool bird robot in the future. And then Dr. Wily shows up, he like gets angry at Proto Man, and he's like, well, fine, I built a Skull Fortress. <laughs> <laughs> and Mega Man has to fight his way through there, and he defeats Wily, who gets away. And that's Mega Man 4. How did he build an entire third Skull Fortress while he was be- pretending to be dead? Very secretively. <laughs> and Mega Man like, just- is no one looking out for Skull Fortresses at this point? Yeah, you you think they would be. You think they would be, but somehow There's only not. one guy who does that. <laughs> and it's always trouble when he does. Yeah, every single time there's a common element here that people just do refuse to pick up on. <laughs> and like you could like attribute this to like it's the NES games and so like of course got to make it simple and whatnot. But even like in future sequels, humanity's just kind of dumb. In yeah. This. Like, even dumber than real life. Just like, you, y'all. Also, is anyone going to deal with the proliferation of people who can reprogram hyper-intelligent robots for combat purposes at this point? No, but spoiler alert, they're going to make them smarter. All right, fair. <laughs> they're going to make the problem worse. So Mega Man 5. So sometime after this, Dr. Light is literally getting the mail or something outside of his lab when he's kidnapped <laughs> by a shadowy figure. <laughs> I forgot about that. So Mega Man arrives outside to find nothing but a yellow scarf, which makes him assume that Proto Man is behind it. And Dr. Cossack, who's like now friends with everybody, confirms it. And he's like, hey, Mega Man, I'll help support you while you go fight Proto Man. And Bill's a beat a bird robot. That's way overpowered Mega Man 5. So Proto Man has a new army of robots led by eight robot masters. And these include Gravity Man, a robot capable of controlling gravity, which, boy, that seems amazing. That's real strong. Yeah. Charge Man, a robot who's a trade engine with a head and body. (laughs) (laughs) 
And Gyroman, who's pronounced Hero Man in some other parts of the world. All right, sure. You will be surprised to learn that Mega Man infiltrates Protoman's castle, and it turns out the fake Protoman was behind it all along, and Wily was, was pulling all the strings. All right, sure, yeah. And then Wily goes to his own, even better, no really this time, Skull Fortress, which then Mega Man promptly blows up, and he gets away. Okay. Shouldn't Protoman just, like, hang around at this point? Well, he still hates Dr. Light. Wait, why? Because he still feels that he was intentionally made faulty or something similar, like, and he just, like, has, like, just a general distrust of Dr. Light. Is this, like, an atheism thing, or? I don't know. I'm not really sure. It's, he just doesn't trust Dr. Light, and I, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he was... Like, he wasn't built with, like, a specific role in mind. Like, even, like, Mega Man was built with the role of, like, right. hey, help people. Whereas, like, you, Proto Man was just, like, a prototype. So maybe it's just something like he has, like, super free will and he felt like he got burned. And he's just like, I'm not going to trust this dude. Sure. Fair. <laughs> Proto Man seems like the most interesting character in this series so far. He is. He's very interesting. And it makes it really sad that he's barely ever talked about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And if, when he shows up in later games, he usually just kind of just shows up either to be like, I'm Tuxedo Mask, or right. I'm going to get a cut in half with an axe. <laughs> As happens in Mega Man and Base. But, yeah. So, Mega Man 6. Stop me if you heard all this before. Um, by the time Mega Man 6 happens, the world is kind of tired of Dr. Wily shit. Yeah, and he, fair. And they established a World Robot Alliance in order to counteract Dr. Wily's ambitions. On top of this, they decide to hold the first annual robot tournament to establish the toughest fighting robot. Now, this event is sponsored by Mr. <sighs> X. And, mis and it's, it's also supposed to like show off how advanced robotics have gone all over the world. So like, there's this Greek robot and there's this Russian robot and it's great. Mm -hmm. However, just before the tournament was supposed to begin, Mr. X takes control of all eight robots slated for the competition and begins his conquest for world domination. I wonder who Mr. X could be. I wonder too, but when Mega Man confronts him about this, he exclaims that he's been manipulating Dr. Wily, and he has failed, and he's a fool. He's the secret brains behind all this, and he's now going to try to take over the world. So what's really great is, it, I, I wish I had a picture of this, I, I forgot to get one, but if mm -hmm. you look at what, um, what he looks like, <laughs> he literally looks just like Dr. Wily with whose hair is, like, a little better kept, and he's wearing sunglasses. He's literally just Dr. Wily. Okay, looking this... What the... It's, it's like he's not even trying! He's not even trying! You know what sucks about this? Is if that dude was actually for real serious, mm -hmm. that would kind of fix some of the nonsense that is Dr. Wily. Yeah. There's like, oh, yeah, like, Dr. Wily's super smart, but he's not, like, that clever about stuff. And so there's just this dude who's evil who's been manipulating him. And that's why, like, the stuff he's been doing doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. But, no. No. <laughs> no, it's... it's I, and I, this is a big reason why I really want to get in-depth with, like, the Mega Man series. Because it's all a giant cartoon, right? Yeah. It is literally like a Saturday morning cartoon style plot lines of like where the heroes are always idiots, the villains are always comically evil, and you you always have to have the same plots be resolved within thirty minutes so you can air them out of order because of syndication. Like right, it, 
it's it's absolutely ridiculous and i i kind of love it i kind of love it also why is he roasting himself like that <laughs> does that help well no he wants to he wants to really get one over on him <laughs> for no reason <laughs> Boy, that Dr. Wiley sure is an idiot. I can't believe what a failure he is. God, yeah, that I heard he stinks. You know, I heard... Oh, man. I heard he didn't actually finish second place. He finished third place in in Nobel Prize for physics. <laughs> like, is this... Is, is this just, like, therapy of some sort for, for Wiley? Is this him working out his inferiority complex? Maybe. Yeah, maybe it is a little bit. Is it the belt? Is the belt talking to him? (laughs) The skull belt? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Is the belt just being like, yeah, that superhero robot's a great idea, but you know what else? You should take over the world. (laughs) And Wiley's just like, you're right, belt. You're right. I should do that. (laughs) And build skull fortresses. Build nothing but skull fortresses and make sure all of your final Wiley machines that you fight... Mega Man with her skulls. Make them all skulls. The skulls will never steer you wrong. Uh, do you think he was like happy or upset that uh, Doctor Cossack made Skull Man? Was he like either like upset that he didn't do it first, or he's like, yeah, man, not nice. I, I picked the right man, to blackmail. You know, it was probably both. Honestly, probably both. Yeah, yeah. You you could be envious and proud. Yeah. So. This doctor, very Dr. Wily-looking man, sets his eight robots in action, and these include Centaur Man, who's a centaur. Night Man, who's actually, in real life, was designed by an American kid. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Those contests. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, from Mega Man 2 onwards, uh, until Mega Man 11, or I think maybe 9 and 10 didn't do this either, uh, Japanese kids would actually submit designs for Robot Masters, and he was extended to Americans for the first time in Mega Man 6, and two of them got included. So, that's cool. And uh, yeah. there's also Tomahawk Man, who is just unfortunate in this day and age. Yeah. Also, not designed by an American. We also, we had Wind Man. You'll right. be Yeah. You'll be shocked to find out that defeating these eight robots uh, and confronting Mr. X, he reveals that it was all disguised. He's actually Dr. Wily all along. <laughs> Which, he also builds like a fortress that's a giant X, and then leads that fortress to go to yet another Skull Fortress. <laughs> That Mega Man promptly destroys, defeats Dr. Wily, and in a rare twist, actually arrests him and puts him in jail. Wow. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense, because this is the final game for the NES. So I feel like there's not even any point in asking, did no one run background checks on this Mr. X before they let him fund the most advanced combat robot t- tournament contest in the entire world? Oh, no, of course not. They just went, oh man, he, he seems to build good robots. Did he has no a lot one of money. look at his face? Hmm. Nah, not even a bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's pretty great. This it's... civilization is not ready for robots. No. <laughs> it only gets worse from here. Oh boy. Alright, so the next couple games we're going to kind of move a little bit more quickly through. I, I wrote way too many notes for them, but they, and they don't deserve them. Even though I Mega Man 7 is probably my favorite game of the series. Hmm. But, but yeah, Mega Man 7, the first game released for the Super Nintendo and actually released after the Mega Man X series came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
As was Mega Man 6, I think. Mega Man 6 also came out after the X-Series was already out in Japan. So, that, Wily... That probably didn't help them, honestly. No, probably did not. So, Wily's gone for good. He's in jail. No way he's ever going to get out. Which is why no six way. months after Mega Man 6, he's broken out of prison. Yep, there you go. Yeah, it turns out he hit eight robots that would self-activate. They didn't hear from him. So, after six months, they woke up, broke him out of jail, and uh, he was free to continue his rampage. Some of these robots include Freeze Man, who is cool as hell, and that pun was not intended. Junk Man, a robot made out of junk, and Slash Man, who's just Wolverine. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so, Junk Man makes me think that, like, Wily's just obsessed with having eight robots, and he got through seven and was like, uh, uh... I can't I, only have seven. Oof, yeah, mm, I I got this, just these random parts over here. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just put got to got to make the eighth one. Got to have the a, eighth one. Yeah, put a pipe on a sprocket and we'll just, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like it turns out that Mega Man though is not the only robot trying to stop Wily. A mysterious new robot named Base and his dog Treble have showed up and taken interest in beating Wily. So base is like a robot is like a black and gray color scheme. He has like kind of like weird face paints that I think is supposed to be wires that are like purple and red going down from his eyes. He has like giant fins on his head. Uh, He looks very evil, but he he claims that he's there to help out Mega Man beat Dr. Wily. So he and Mega Man fight for a bit, but they agree to team up and try to stop Dr. Wily. Hmm. But unfortunately, Base proves to be a bit incompetent in fighting. <laughs> and while trying to fight like some of like Wily's robots, he ends up getting damaged. And Mega Man's like, hey, yeah, come back to Dr. Light's lab. We'll get you fixed up. <sighs> so Mega Man beats all eight robots. And um, when that happens, though, Base is repaired. He wakes up, goes crazy, destroys Light's lab, steals some like um, this special equipment that allows him to fuse with uh, his robot buddy, robot dog buddy. Mm-hmm. And when he gets back, like, Mega Man's like, wait, base betrayed us? And then Dr. Wily, who I guess just has light on speed dial, shows up on like a view screen. He's like, yeah, I built him. How about that, you idiots? Yeah. By the way, I got Skull Fortress. You should come here. <laughs> so he does. So Mega Man goes to the Skull Fortress and he runs into base. And like base is like challenging him every step of the way. But like even though he like uses like the super adapter that makes him like super strong, merges him with like his dog buddy Treble, mm-hmm. like he's just unable to beat Mega Man. Like he gets a real inferiority complex from this. He's like, why can't I beat Mega Man? I should be more advanced than him. I should be so much stronger. Like he's like the Vegeta to Mega Man's go. Right. Hundred percent. I feel like the answer to that is because Mega Man has absorbed the weapons of eight robot masters again. And if Wily had only made base, this might not be a problem. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, base is a pretty tough boss fight, too. So, yeah. Yeah, he, it probably would have worked out well. Probably would have. Probably mm-hmm. shouldn't have made the other eight. Probably shouldn't have. <laughs> but I have, to, I have to make Cloud Man. Oh, God. <laughs> I have to make the robot that's also a race car. Like, I feel like every time this happened, Wily should have just gone with the one strongest robot master mm-hmm. and not the seven others that gave R- Mega Man the power to defeat him. Yeah. Yeah, he really should... He just should think that through just a little bit better. Like, I feel like less is more in this case. Yeah. 
Yeah. So Mega Man defeats another uh, another Wily machine that's shaped like the skull, by the way. Sure. And um, you know, Mega like Wily's like groveling in Mega Man's feet. It's like, hey, I'm sorry again. This time though, Mega Man's like had enough, and he points his gun at him and starts charging. Damn. And yeah, and Wily's like, hey, you can't do that. You know, laws of robotics and all that. And in the Japanese version, this causes Mega Man to stop. In the U.S. version, Mega Man stops and says, I'm more than a robot. Die, Wily. <laughs> Which, not canon, but still, it's like... Better, actually. Metal. Very I like metal. that version more. Mm-hmm. But this still... Regardless, this delays Mega Man long enough that the Skull Fortress starts to, like, explode. Like, like a bunch of junk falls on both... Um, on uh like Doctor on Doctor Wily and like base shows up to like rescue him. Mm. And then Mega Man has to escape as the fortress explodes, and that's the game. Alright. So Mega Man 8. Alex, what if I told you that alien robots definitely existed? Sure, why not at this point? Yeah, to be fair, when I wrote this, I d- didn't intend to like explain that there's alien robots in Mega Man for the Game Boy, but you yeah, know. Okay, yeah. Uh, so, okay, now, are these robots made by aliens, or are they just aliens that are robots? Oh, they are robots made by uh, aliens. Okay. Yes, uh, at least as far as I know. So, Mega Man 8 is one that actually has, like, animated cutscenes. Very inf- infamous ones, you know, known for incredibly bad voice acting and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but um, it starts out with an animated cutscene in Deep Space where you see two humanoid forms fighting, one made of blue energy, one made of dark purple energy. They clash violently until both of them crash and fall down to the Earth. So Mega Man is fighting base in the city. He gets a message from Dr. Light. It's like, hey, a mysterious meteorite's fallen on this island shaped like a skull. I'm sorry, <laughs> did you say he was fighting base? Yes. Do rock and base just have fights now? Yeah, I guess they just have fights. Okay, sure. Yeah, you know, base decided to attack the city, and he was like, Mega Man's like, I gotta go and punch this idiot in the face. Okay, What's really so great, though, is like, he just leaves, and then base is still there, and he's like, I guess I'll stop fighting. <laughs> guess I'll just go home. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> so Mega Man goes to this island and runs into Dr. Wily. He's already gone to the meteorite, and he appears, mm-hmm. and like, what appears to also be like a broken robot body next to it. And Wily appears to have an like energy source, which is a evil skull-shaped purple energy. So sure. Wily's all over this. He's like, I'm going to build eight robots to take advantage of this. Didn't they already have space-based energy sources? Yeah, and for Mega Man 3? Yeah. Yeah, well, no. Th- okay, so that was, they were guarding that energy for Gamma. Right. Yeah, so that wasn't in the robots, but now this time mm-hmm. this evil energy is in the robots. Okay. Yeah. So these robots include Astro Man, who the wiki is to be believed is both a coward and the champion of hide-and-seek. <laughs> All right, I, that makes sense. Why not? Clown Man, a literal clown robot, and Grenade Man, a sadomasochistic robot who enjoys being hurt. I feel like Wily's going through some stuff. He is. He is. <laughs> so you can tell that this is the PlayStation version and also the first game that Kenji Inafune is the producer on because I have two pages of notes on this, but we are oh going to we are going to make our way through this quickly because I don't think any of this that relevant the point is doctor like mega man beats some robots dr light finds out this energy is evil and if dr light dr wiley cannot have this in his possession uh they find the other robot and like they repair him like give him a new robot body and we find out Mm -hmm. his name is duo and like when he sees this evil energy he goes nuts goes off to find it 
And, like, Mega Man goes after him, like, goes into this mine shaft and, like, fights Duo to a standstill. And uh, that's when Proto Man shows up and goes, like, hey, by the way, Wily's Fortress just inside this mine shaft. Which makes sense, like, because, you know, Duo's tracking evil energy, Wily has mm-hmm. it. Makes sense they would be there. Sure. So they go into this mine shaft, which is inside a vault, like, leads to an inside of a volcano. And a new Skull Fortress just kind of floating there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, like... Like, Mega Man tries to break in, but he can't, and he's about to be destroyed by this evil energy barrier and, like, evil robots, and then Duo shows up and saves him. And Duo explains that he's a space robot cop. And his mission is to track down the evil energy from the universe, (laughs) and he has a precise radar that helps him find it. So, it turns out that the other four... He has has to defeat four more robots that have, like, the keys to get in there, which Mega Man does. He gets in there, beats Wily, and, like, he's about to be, like, infected by the evil energy, like Mega Man is... But then Duo mm-hmm. saves him, purges him from that energy, and then leaves to go and fly off to do more space cop stuff. And that's the game. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to ask too many questions about this one. The fact that I've never heard of Duo before is a pretty good indicator to me that none of this matters. Yeah, pretty much. It, it really doesn't. Um, Mega Man 8's. I played it again recently. It's it's a very slow game. It's not. Hmm. It's a very colorful looking game, and I love the soundtrack, but... Mm-hmm. It's, it's not good. It's not a good yeah. game. It does, however, I'm now thinking about a game or a show or something where instead of Mega Man, it's Proto Man is the hero and Base is the anti-hero. Hmm. And it's just sort of they fight a lot and hmm. argue about morality and like, oh, Mega Man is a piece of crap. He's a bastard. He's... I'm better than him, and Proto Man's hmm. like, no, Mega Man's okay, but that Dr. Light is sketchy. Yeah. Or is he? And just, like, they have to go through moral quandaries with themselves hmm. as they're opposed to each other. I wonder that, if... The... Oh, wait. That sounds fun. I don't know what that Space Cop crap was about. Yeah, I, I don't either. I, I wonder if the Mega Man comic, the Ar- Mega Man Archie comic that, mm. unfortunately, is discontinued if they did that. Because they, they go a lot into, like... Proto Man's like feelings yeah, yeah. on light and all that. Very, very good comic. I believe I've heard very good things about basically all the Archie comic stuffs, Mega Man and Sonic and whatnot. Yeah, Ian, Ian Flynn, very good writer, <laughs> turns out. Yeah. So Mega Man Nine, which uh, came out far, far later, uh, yes. two thousand and nine, I believe, something somewhere around there. Uh, yep. We're not going to talk a lot about it since it doesn't do much to advance the plot, but I do want to mention a few things. Okay. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to the first game with a female robot master in the form of Splash Woman. Yep. Whose weapon is also probably one of the best in the game, too. Uh, second, the central crux of the plot is that robots now have expiration dates, and they are shut down once they reach that date. Which oh, preset, right. Which, these robots have intelligence? <laughs> yeah, that seems... Hmm. Kind of messed up! Yeah. So, Dr. Wily takes advantage of this to convince them to rise against humanity. And Dr. Wily pins this on Dr. Light, who promptly gets arrested... <laughs> Yep. Because the entire world's gullible. Yeah. <laughs> like, he seriously gets on TV and produces doctored footage of Light being evil. And is like, hey, I'm not a bad faith actor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so needs to say, Mega Man beats the robots, reveals Wily's a true villain, and everything's fine in the end. Yeah. Um, and I did play Nine. Very mm-hmm. good game. Um, yeah, love it. I don't, I don't remember Light having many feelings about the whole destined death of all intelligent robots yeah uh, 
he he does like change it in the end where he's like oh i'm just gonna give you all a new purpose so you don't you can continue working after your expiration date i mean it's like this is the premise of blade runner Mm -hmm. like this is a really heavy topic and this game's just like oh yeah that's gonna happen and wily's evil that's the thing about a lot of Mega Man games is that like they come up like Mega Man X is going to be really bad about this where it's going to be right. like it's going to present like this really heavy topic and you're like hey yeah like this is almost akin to like slavery or something like that and they're like yeah, yeah we're, we're not going to talk about it we're just yeah. like yeah this sort of happened Wily's but, the bad guy how is Wily the bad guy in this situation yeah this is like, I mean I guess it's because he's exploiting it to his advantage but still yeah but like it's still like this like really weird thing where it's like, oh come on now. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's it's bad. Oh, speaking of female robots, I did want to ask, what has Roll's part in all of this been so far? Um So Roll has been there to support Mega Man and say things like, Good luck, Mega Man, and I have a broom. Cool. In Mega Man Maker, she's now a character, and she plays, like, Zero. That's cool. Did Light ever want to, like, give her an arm cannon and be like, hey, maybe two of you will have an easier time with this than one alone? It's funny. In uh, the Mega Man 1 remake, Mega Man Powered Up, that does happen. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, like, you could, like, you could set up the conceit where it's, like, Mega Man gets kidnapped and, like, Cutman's left behind. You have to play as Cutman through the game. Oh, and, like, cool. you can do the same with Roll. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, I think it's just more like Mega Man got there first. Right. Although, to be fair, if you do play his role in that game, she just, she uses her broom. She does not get a gun. <laughs> Which, granted, right. I understand why they want to, like, have, like, they want to have, like, a Zero equivalent in that game. But right. still, it's like, uh... <laughs> so, hmm. give, give, it's a very give, good broom, I guess. It's a very good broom. So, Mega Man 10. So Mega Man 10, we have a little bit more to talk about, mostly because there's now a new robot virus called Roboenza. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, and it goes rampant around the globe and affects robots and causes them to either go crazy or shut down or both. Like, Roll gets infected with it, and, you know, Dr. Light's trying to find a cure, but, like, Dr. Wiley is like, hey, I, f I have a cure for it. Isn't that great? You just have to work for me, and I'll give you the cure. <laughs> so he definitely created the virus. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mega Man tracks him down and defeats Wily, who at the end of the game himself gets sick with the flu. Which Mega Man at first is like, "Is this Roboenza?" And then Wily's like, "No, you idiot." <laughs> <laughs> okay, I do have to say I really like that Wily's like, "I have the cure. You just have to work for me." And then Mega Man just goes to his house and beats his ass and takes it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That that's that's a pretty strong move. It is. So like Mega Man's like, alright, I should get him to a hospital and he does, and like Wiley escapes from the hospital after he gets better. But he leaves behind enough robo entity to cure the entire world. Sure. Yeah, so it's like, oh you know, thanks, you know, for saving me. It's like, alright, cool. So I wish there was more to say about the most recent game in the series, uh 2018's Mega I think it's 2018? Maybe 2019. Sounds, uh, 19 sounds right. Yeah. Uh Mega Man eleven. Mm -hmm. but while it's a pretty darn good game uh there's not really much to the story it kind of goes into a little bit more of the early life of dr light and dr wiley basically like wiley being like i want robot superheroes and you know bright 
Right. Uh, Light being like, hey, uh, I want to make advanced AI. Right. And a lot of it's based upon that. And so not much to really say about that. It's a good game. You should play it. But I should play it. Yeah. I, l- I did play the demo. It seemed good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, totally. For my own part, I will take this opportunity. If any, if that subject matter sounds cool to anyone and they want to hear like a non-official alternate universe-ish take on that, mm-hmm. uh, check out the band called The Proto Men, specifically their second album, Act Two. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely check them out. Um, it, it, it is a rock opera about that subject matter, and it's very good. The Mega Man community has been really good about, like, different fan projects and, like, producing some just really, really great stuff. Like, whether it's yeah. music, like the Proto Men, or, like, other v- like fan games or game makers or what have mm-hmm. you. Yeah, Proto Men are super cool to check out. I, I also heavily recommend it. But yeah, with that, that's the Mega Man series up until this point. All right. So we're going to now go back to the year 1993, Alex, because it's now time to talk a little bit about a series called Mega Man X. So Mega Man X is where this series gets crazy. And what's what's interesting about those out of the five different Mega Man subseries we're going to be talking about, this is probably the only the third craziest. (laughs) (laughs) Well. And we're not going to finish talking about the entire Mega Man X series today. There's a very good stopping point that we're going to just kind of barrel our way towards. But we're going to go ahead and jump in here by kind of just giving giving a little bit of background how we even get to the start of Mega Man X in the first place. And kind of talk about also why maybe Capcom decided to go the route they did with X. So, the Mega Man series as a whole is a very light and happy affair, and one that is honestly has very little consequence in each of its stories. Right. Uh, so, there's a very basic structure that's repeated to death. Dr. Wily hatches a scheme with eight robots, Mega Man defeats said robots, and then fights Wily in a skull-shaped fortress, which blows up. This makes sense when you really realize for most of the series, Mega Man was published for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Mm-hmm. Well, after the system had also been made obsolete by the Super Nintendo, like Mega Man's 4, 5, and 6 were released between 91 and 93. And they were seemingly meant for the same audience that enjoyed previous games in the series. So they didn't want to do anything that was too particularly crazy. And that's a real Capcom sort of move. Like you look right. at a lot of those Resident Evil games, for instance, like the mm-hmm. story doesn't really advance until it just suddenly does. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until the release of Mega Man 7 on the Super Nintendo that it made any real attempt to do so, and even then, it stuck to the same rigid tropes. It wasn't to say, though, that Mega Man fans didn't have evolving tastes, or that Capcom didn't realize it. It's just that Capcom did, when Capcom did decide to make a Mega Man game for an older audience, they chose to go the route of making a new series entirely with Mega Man X, released in 1993. So, this was developed with a team of Mega Man veterans, produced by longtime Capcom employee uh, Tokuru Fujiwara of, uh, of Commando and Ghost and Goblins fame. Uh, Mega Man X continues the story of the original by taking 100 years into a much darker future. So, this takes place in 21XX. One where robots, now called Reploids, can think and feel independently and occasionally rebel against their creators. Uh, given that they're much stronger than the humans around them, these Mavericks, as they are called, have to be dealt with by other Reploids called Maverick Hunters, led by Mega Man X. Unlike Mega Man, where the story was rather interchangeable from game to game, like, you could jumble up Mega Man 4 through 6, right, and you get the same right. outcome. Mega Man X evolves and escalates rapidly as the series goes on, and much of the series 
events of this series will influence the later series quite extensively. Like, there's stuff that happens, like, in Mega Man X5 that forms a huge basis of, like, what happens is, like, Mega Man Zero, for instance. Mm-hmm. So why did Capcom take this route? There are two reasons I could think of. The first is that this is the early 90s. Video games are getting to the age that kids who grew up with the NES are now teens, with more complex tastes, who wish to see something that was more what they considered mature, or at least had the appearance of such. Mega Man, by this point, was very established with his light atmosphere, so it made sense to start from scratch. And I, I think I agree with this point. I, I think it would be mm-hmm. very a lot more jarring if in Mega Man 7, all of a sudden it was <laughs> like, okay, now robots are at war with humans and people are dying. Right. The second is that nerd media in general, uh, nerd media is just the best term I can come up with this, Fair. Uh, in general was much edgier at the time, particularly comic books, which were infamously overrun yeah. at this time. Like, all you need to do is look up an issue of Cable around this time to know what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, boy. If Mega Man wanted to have any sort of story focus at all, it made sense for them to go in this darker direction. So there's a secret third reason, though. This was Kenji Inafune's coming out party. <laughs> As you may remember, Inafune was one of the main illustrators since the very first game. However, other than some design credits on a few of the games, he wasn't really involved in the main story, or at least not as far as I could find. This changes with Mega Man X, where he's not only doing the official artwork, but he's also one of the main designers and writers for the game. This all-encompassing work on establishing this world is going to have a huge impact, and given that Inafune is going to be involved in the series up until his departure from Capcom in 2010, I think it's safe to say that what will be an increasingly insane direction that me- that is the Mega Man story can be laid at his feet, or at least most of it. Like, obviously, there's all there's going to be other writers, there's other people who's going to contribute. Like, you can't lay like how a game evolves at one person, kind of like how people like lay how like me- like Metal Gear went with just directly Kojima and ignore that right. team of hundreds. Right. Like it's the same with uh, Inafune, but there are clearly decisions he's going to make that are going to influence how the series goes. Mm-hmm. Now, originally, Mega Man X wasn't going to star, well, the character of X as uh, its main character. Mega Man X being just like edgier Mega Man. Right. Uh, it was instead going to be led by a character named Zero, who was designed by Kenji Unifune, a red robot with long blonde hair and meant to be super powerful. Uh, as I pull up a picture, although I know you probably know what Zero looks like. Sure. But he's, he's super cool. I love Zero. Yeah. Yeah, he, um, yeah, Red Robot with long blonde hair and meant to be super powerful. Zero is clearly a favorite of Inafune's. And as mm-hmm. we'll see when we dig into the games, Inafune realized that people wanted a new Mega Man, not Zero. So instead, right. he ended up being a side character that was really coded as the cool older brother. And to be fair, it works. Zero's, mm-hmm. Zero's one of my favorite video game characters. If they were to put Zero in Smash Brothers, I would be incredibly happy. Yeah. But I also realized that He's kind of Inafune's Mary Sue. A little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you say, I think he he does work pretty well. Like, props to Inafune or whoever was writing that, that they didn't go... They found the right place for him to fit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, like, eventually he's going to be the star of his own series, but it's going to be way down the line. And, right. And, yeah, like... He could have been overbearing, but they just strike the right tone. I, I think they go over the line occasionally, but they, they right. do a pretty good job. Yeah. So Mega Man X was a big commercial and financial success for Capcom. It, it sold, mm-hmm. I think, something like 1.3 million copies on this initial release. Wow. And it is generally considered one of the greatest platforming games ever made. 
kind of yeah. like a very bar none sort of thing too. Mm-hmm. Uh, top 10 list and whatnot. It's music and graphics hold up to this day. And it's with all the success, Capcom was obviously going to give it the same treatment it did to his Big Brother series. Yeah. It's also the only series that's going to have its own RPG, which we're not going to talk about the RPG. <laughs> oh although, boy. although it does contain a really, really stupid plot point that we won't talk about. We'll talk about next time. It's great. Okay. So let's give some little bit of background on the story uh, before we jump in here. So uh, the story of Mega Man X, once again, takes place in the year 21XX, a good 100 years or so after the presumed end of Mega Man. We don't know what happened to Mega Man, Roll, Wily, or the rest, and we are never going to get that closure. It, it, it has never been touched upon. We don't know what happened to uh, all of them, except they don't exist anymore. Right. We do know what happened to Dr. Light, though. He's dead. Mm-hmm. He died of presumably natural causes as the beloved scientist who advanced robotic technology to a seemingly logical conclusion. And it turns out he wasn't quite done yet. So 100 years in the future, an archaeologist and exobiologist by the name of Dr. Kane is going to like an excavation because he's trying to find some fossil records of, a, of plants uh, that don't exist anymore. And when during his digging, he stumbles upon a derelict lab gonna pull up a good picture of good old dr kane uh, dr kane is like an older man bald head he has like a long scraggly white beard he kind of looks like a wizard <laughs> almost a little bit yeah yeah just a wizard without the hat so he goes in this lab and he shuffles through the lab papers and with some other evidence he deduces this is a secret lab of dr lights that for some reason was sealed up like Nobody, he doesn't really know why, like, why the good doctor would do this, but when he explores the lab further, he finds out why. He discovers a capsule containing a humanoid robot clad in blue armor. Upon interacting with the capsule, a message from Dr. Light shows up reading, Warning, X is the first of a new generation of robots which contains an innovative new feature, the ability to think, feel, and make their own decisions. However, this ability could be very dangerous. If X were to break the first rule of robotics, a robot must never harm a human being, the results would be disastrous, and I fear no force on Earth could stop him. Approximately 30 years will be required before we can safely confirm his reliability. Unfortunately, I will not live to see that day, nor do I have anyone to carry on my work. Therefore, I have decided to seal him in this capsule, which will test his internal systems until his reliability has been confirmed. Please do not disturb the capsule until that time. X possesses great risk as well as great possibilities. I can only hope for the best. September 18th, 20XX, Thomas Light. So it gives a quick readout of his abilities, which Dr. Kane realizes between the basic schematics as well as X's overall intelligence that this is far more advanced than anything that exists. So Dr. Kane does the only reasonable thing one would do. He immediately stops his dig, takes it back to his lab, and wakes it up. <laughs> great. Now, thankfully, it has already been 30 years. The reliability tests have already been done. So it was like X is already good. Mm -hmm. So some people might go like, hey, wait, can robots already think and feel and make their own decisions? And the answer is not quite. They're always bound by some basic programming. Like Elect Man was always made to like, hey, you're going to work in an electric electric factory, a power Mm -hmm. plant. (laughs) The good old electric factory. Uh, Yeah. We (laughs) manufacture the electricity. Yeah, we we make the electricity. (laughs) Like, they're always meant to do that, and they always have the three Mm. laws of robotics. X is stripped of all that. So that's the big difference there. So 
Yeah, luckily for Kane, X has passed all his internal tests, and when mm-hmm. he awoke, he was for all intents and purposes human. Kane realized that robots like X could seriously better the lives of humans if X could be successfully replicated. Which is exactly what he starts doing. He starts producing robots based upon X, which is where we get the term reploid. Replicate right. android. Wait, so, how could that better the lives of humans? Well, so like if you have like a robot running a power plant, right? Like uh-huh. they could theoretically like maybe see like some flaws and correct them, but maybe they wouldn't necessarily build like an entirely new power plant. Like these sort of robots will have the ability to think, feel, and like learn like the similar similar mm-hmm. as to like a human would. So like if you make a robot to run a power plant, they might be able to research and develop a new power plant or if um, their purpose like maybe they don't need to be like doing this particular task anymore they could be directed to another task without major reprogramming stuff mm-hmm. like that so it's kind of like um you you now have a skilled workforce that's incredibly powerful but doesn't have to be like reprogrammed to do other tasks or could actively learn and make things better much quicker than your typical robot could of this era right so does this version of humanity not have any cynicism or sense of dread about things? You know, no. <laughs> but I think they are going to soon because uh, there's a few flaws of Dr. Kane's plan. Uh, Alex, do you, would you like to guess what a few, uh, few flaws are here? Well, I mean, if these are robots designed to be so incredibly advanced that they are for all intents and purposes human... Uh, Well, humans have kind of a malicious spirit sometimes, Mm -hmm. and they can do bad things. Yep. And if they are free of the three laws of robotics designed to prevent them from doing those bad things, uh, they might do bad things and do them very well. Yep. Yeah, that's a a pretty good one. (laughs) So, I got three points, and that that third point you made is uh, going to dovetail into another one, but... The uh, the first point I want to make is Dr. Kane is an archaeologist and exobiologist. Roboticist is not part of that title. Yeah. This leads into point two. X is so far advanced that no one, much less Dr. Kane, really knows how every last piece of him works. <laughs> that means that copies coming off the assembly line have numerous flaws in them, particularly in a chip called the suffering circuit. The what? This... Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, you know, I've actually like said the suffering circuit to other people, and they like maybe they're just very kind, and they all just go like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> <laughs> I think you may be the first person who's actually done that. Yeah, they, it's a chip designed to make reploids worry and feel bad. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of messed up actually when you think about it. <laughs> So this chip doesn't get properly reproduced because Dr. King goes like, I don't know what to do with this. So the final fact, and one that does get comment, commented on in-game, but very like barely, is that they're producing mm-hmm. a series of robots that are fully capable of making their own decisions and then giving them designated tasks that they can't really deviate from. It's like being bored fully formed as an adult, wanting to write bad fanfiction and being told, here, have this pickaxe, you're going to break rocks for the rest of your existence. Needless to say, in this first generation of replates, there's a startling amount of pickaxes being embedded in humans around this time. Yeah. And replates who do this are said to have gone maverick. 
I feel like Dr. Light should have added to that message, P.S. Don't replicate my work. Don't replicate my work if you can understand it or if you're at least a roboticist. Yeah. You have to put in your credentials before you can open up this capsule. Okay, so Dr. Thomas Light spent the better half of his career dealing with Dr. Albert Wiley, mm -hmm. a man who eight times built a skull fortress to try and take over the world mm -hmm. with robots. And he said, you know what I should do? I should get rid of the three laws of robotics from my robot. Now, in the defense of Dr. Light, and it's a very poor defense, it wasn't the robot's fault. Okay. <laughs> you know, it, it was a malicious human actor. Yeah. But what if you create a robot that you really can't reprogram, or at least theoretically can't? <laughs> okay, I get... Mm. Problem solved, right? Yeah. Let's give him guns. <laughs> All right. That actually segues into my the second part of this story, where this is obviously a bad thing that, you know, replates are, you know, putting pickaxes into human skulls. Sure. Yeah, because replates are designed to be tougher, so they're, they can do, like, far more dangerous tasks than humans. So, obviously, no human's going to be able to stop them. So, Dr. Kane has a solution. You, mm -hmm. you want to guess what that solution is? Uh, I'm guess I'm gonna guess that he is going to, well, so I know what my guess is, and I know, I think I know what the actual answer is. But my guess was going to be that he is going to create a uh, a special class of robots specifically designed to track down and take out the reploids that have gone maverick, and he is going to call them Blade Runners. I mean, Maverick Hunters. Hey, yeah, you're exactly right. <laughs> He makes more replays and gives them guns. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Call the Maverick Hunters. These replays are designed to stop other Mavericks and minimize damage. The problem is, is once again, Dr. Kane's a hack. They're flawed. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so they occasionally rebel. And so now you have heavily armed replays killing humans and causing mayhem. <laughs> so Dr. Kane does the only other thing he, think he, could, he thinks to do, which is he mostly fixes the flaws in the original batch of replays. And then he makes even tougher replicas and gives them even better guns. Okay, I'm sorry. Isn't there a council of robotics who's supposed to oversee all this? Yes. And all intents and purposes, they seem like they're kind of on board with this. Isn't this man an archaeologist? Yes. Is he even part of the council of robotics? This man is 100% not qualified to do his job, and yet somehow he is doing it. Where is he getting the factories that are making these reploids? You know, my guess is that he just went to some other rich guys like, hey, listen, I got this advanced robot. What if I just created copies of them? And then he's like, sounds rad. And he's like, no, no, listen, I have two PhDs. I can make this happen. What's a third? What? Shouldn't the council have assigned a roboticist to review the final specs before these went into production? Well, they should have, but that's the problem, is that Dr. Light is such a genius, and the robots that he created, well, this particular robot, X, is so far advanced that just nobody understands it. Not fully. So that wouldn't have worked. So do it anyway and see what happens? Yeah! The scientists in the Mega Man X universe are 
fairy could have, not should have. I see. Yeah. So, of all these incredibly advanced robots that he created, he created one that was the best of them all, and his name was Sigma, which is the photo I have up right now. So Sigma mm-hmm. is a humanoid-looking robot. Uh, the best way I can describe him is that he looks like a T-600 with a rubber mask. Uh, for those of you who don't know, like in the original Terminator, like when Kyle Reese is describing like the first Terminators and whatnot, and he's like, yeah, they're they're made for infiltration, but they just kind of put a rubber mask on them, and they, they're very easy to see a mile away. Like yeah. That's what Sigma looks like. He, he looks horrifying. He's yeah. a, he is basically demented Mr. Clean that if he were ever to come and save me from anything, I'd be like, nope, nope, you go, you go away. You yep. go away. I do not want anything to do with you. <laughs> so, Who, uh, did Dr. Kane give him the evil cloak in the shoulder pauldrons? Um, I'm trying to remember from Maverick Hunter X. Uh, I think he came with that. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Don't quote me on that. Who gave him the, I'm going to say, exhaust vent on his crotch? Oh, that was 100% Dr. Kane. All right. Yeah, no, got to put an exhaust vent somewhere. So this man is just history's greatest monster. <laughs> oh, Dr. Kane is so terrible. And he only gets worse. He only gets worse, Alex. <laughs> How? Oh, we're going to have to wait until Mega Man X4, but let me assure you, he does. <laughs> Why did Zero not just kill this man? You know, <laughs> this man lives a long, healthy life and dies in old age. <laughs> Why? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> so Sigma, so Sigma, it turns out he's really good at his job, right? Yeah, Maverick, sure. Like, he's good at tracking down Mavericks. He's a good leader. Everybody looks up to him. He, like, Mavericks, he's being a threat to the while. So this is until, though, they get reports of a red Ripley trashing everything. And uh, they get like, it's sent back to, like, Maverick Hunter HQ. And, like, a few Maverick Hunters go out to try to stop this red Ripley and they just get just wrecked. So mm-hmm. they send in Sigma. And, like, a heavy battle ensues. But, like, Sigma barely wins. Like, he loses an arm in the process. Like, he gets absolutely tore up. Like, he, he has these, like, weird, like, purple, like, eye scars um, that are not originally there, but zero causes. And he just never gets them repaired for one reason or another. Sure. Uh, oh, by the way, this red repoid is called Zero. I guess okay. I should I guess I should say that. <laughs> so, like, he, like, Sigma's like, hey, let's, we need to bring this robot back to study. And so they do, and they bring him back, and they repair him, and, like, they wake him up, and it turns out he's completely normal. He's like, oh, hey, how's it going? Oh, you need me... You want me to help you fight Mavericks? Sure. And it turns out he's incredibly good at this. Hmm. So Sigma, though, ends up becoming a changed man. He becomes more distant, like, anger of his subordinates. And, like, this is coincided with, like, an increase of Maverick activity the likes have never been seen before. The scale of destruction hmm. is such that X begins to feel bad. Because he feels like he has a hand in creating the replicates. Like, he allowed Dr. Kane to, like, replicate him. Hmm. And so he decides to join the Maverick Hunters. Unlike Zero and Sigma, though, he's terrible at it. Because mm. while everyone agrees that X has, like, limitless potential, because, like, he's just, like, nobody knows what's going on with his power plant or anything with him, really. Right. He, he just doesn't have the heart for kill, essentially killing his brothers and children. Like, right. So he often hesitates to, like, pull the trigger, and, like, he often gets other Maverick Hunters in danger because of that. And so he's kind of thought of as a bit of a nuisance. Hmm. 
So during this time, Sigma begins to question the role of Reploids in the world and their relationship to humanity. And he eventually comes to the conclusion that there's no role for humanity. Humanity's holding the Reploid back and they need to be eliminated. So he doesn't decide to go the pickaxe route because he's a little smarter than that. Mm-hmm. Instead, he secretly foments dissent in the Maverick Hunters until one day, him and more or less the entire Maverick Hunter establishment, well, they go Maverick and they declare war on the humans. Huh. Leaving X-Zero and maybe a few others back to to fight him. Because like Zero's like, nah, I'm not doing this. And X, of course, feels awful about this. Right. So now it seems like the fate of humanity is more or less relying on Zero. And X immediately sets out to prove that. So he goes into <laughs> the city to like fight Sigma's forces and is immediately bodied by one of Sigma's lieutenants by the name of Vile. Uh, mm. Vile is basically purple Boba Fett with a giant <laughs> mech and a shoulder cannon. That's really cool. And not at all Saiyan armor. Don't worry about it. Not at all. Not at all. He has pauldrons for days. <laughs> so, like, he's about to get destroyed by Vile when Zero rushes and saves the day, disables mm. Vile's mech and causes him to retreat. So X is a little despondent about being weak, but Zero's like, hey, don't worry about it, buddy. You weren't built for this, and you'll probably get stronger. Anyways, I'm going to go find Sigma's fortress. You should take on his leadership. You should fight his eight <laughs> rogue maverick hunters right. that are his lieutenants. Which seems like a really unfair distri- distribution of work, but eh. Yeah, you know. So X takes off to defeat these eight rogue maverick hunters, and I love the different mavericks in each of these series because unlike um previous games where it's like something man mm-hmm. these are now like usually element or something else about them and animal right so like for instance there's armored armadillo or chill penguin who's a very chill penguin and mm. boomer kawanger <laughs> which is a type oh. of beetle <laughs> yeah so like it's stuff like that or like storm eagle and all that um mm-hmm. just like previously i'm gonna highlight some of my favorites because they get very wacky and incredibly dumb so quickly. Yeah. So X turns out he's he gets over his hangups and he turns out he's he's actually really, really good at fighting. And it also turns out that Dr. Light isn't a complete idiot because he kind of expected that this was going to happen. <laughs> so he hit capsules all over the world with like holograms of them in it so that when X would find them, they would activate and Dr. Light would go, uh, if you found this, I'm guessing you're having a fight. <laughs> sorry buddy i built really strong armor and weapons for you get in this capsule let's make it happen mm. which x does and he gets like a shiny new piece of armor that's just absolutely powerful so like he gets over his fear of fighting he becomes absolutely terrifying and he just starts ripping apart mavericks so upon defeating the last of the mavericks zero informs x that he's found sigma's fortress turns out it was a, on a floating island just outside of one of the cities good job zero he mm-hmm. found it. X and Zero manage to fight their way into the fortress and are soon confronted by Vile. Zero tells X to stay back and that he'll defeat him. And then he immediately gets captured in like five seconds and put into a cage. Okay. So X tries to fight Vile as well, but he's just as unsuccessful. And right before Vile's about to destroy X, Zero breaks out of the prison, jumps on Vile's mech, and self-destructs, destroying it, though not Vile. So Vile's like, that was useless, idiot. Well, anyways, time to kill you, X. But X like, just powers up mysteriously and like vile's taken aback by this and mm-hmm. and then x just handily defeats him so he rushes over to x rushes over to zero who's basically just a torso and a head at this point right and zero tells him his energy is failing his self-repair systems can't keep up and he's like hey man just defeat sigma for me and he just goes limps and dies so 
Bye, Zero. We're definitely not going to see you again. Nope, totally not. <laughs> so, X fights his way through the fortress. You know, he's saddened that Zero's dead. But, like, he eventually reaches Sigma. And, like, Sigma and his, like, really cool dog. And, like, he defeats his dog, defeats Sigma. And, like, he just leaves him as a head. And he's like, all right, job done. Until Sigma's head floats up, attaches to a giant wolf robot. <laughs> and attacks sure. X again. And, like, X managed to defeat him. And, like, Sigma, as he, like, explodes, is, like, angry and tells X that without humans, his Reploid brothers could have ushered in a new age. And why, X? Why would you betray us? So, X teleports out to a cliff and watches the floating fortress falls to the sea. And literally one of the most melodramatic lines in the entire series is shown here, as a narrator mm-hmm. tells us, How long will he keep on fighting? How long will his pain last? Only the X-Buster on his hand knows for sure. Oh, it's God. like yeah, it's so eye-rolly. So the credits roll, and after this done, a TV screen pops up with Sigma's face. He tells him that his, his victory was only temporary, and his spirit has been beaten. He'll find other bodies, and he'll be back. Because <laughs> Capcom's like, listen, there's going to be some sequels, buddy. Yeah. And that's Pretty Mega Man X. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. great. I, I really like that story. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a simple story. It's good. Yeah. And it has a lot of potential for really cool developments and exploration of these characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're going to definitely explore one or two of them. <laughs> X doesn't really get explored a whole lot in this, despite he, the fact he's a main character. His, his, main, that... his main treats are that he's really, really sad about fighting. And he's also really good at it. Which you'd think would be a basis to explore. Yeah, you'd think so, but they really don't until like a little bit in Mega Man X4 and it a really dumb way in Mega Man X7. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really, really unfortunate. But um thankfully they are gonna fill they are gonna flesh out a few other characters, like, you know, Sigma and uh, Zero and whatnot, which mm-hmm. I guess spoiler alert, Zero's gonna come back. In the very yep. next game, Mega Man X2! Yeah. I will say Zero... Rem- the way Inafune treats Zero reminds me of the way Nomura treats Sephiroth. <laughs> yeah. It's like, look at this cool sword boy I made. Don't you guys love him? <laughs> sword boy's gonna keep coming back. You cannot get rid of sword boy. <laughs> and when sword boy's not in the room, shouldn't we be... Shouldn't the characters be yeah, saying, yeah. where's sword where's boy? Where's sword boy? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, apparently, there's like an anecdote in from some of the developers that I wasn't able to individually like verify beforehand, but I've heard this often enough that I'll go ahead and repeat it here. Mm-hmm. That apparently the plan wasn't to bring back Zero at the very next game, but Inafune is like, we should do that. And they're like, it's going to cause a lot of difficulties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, taking place six months after the end of Mega Man X, like... X and the rest of Maverick Hunters are, like, wiping up the rest of Sigma's Rebellion. Like, they fight to an abandoned factory and defeat some more Reploids there. Or mm-hmm. Mavericks. And it seems like things are on the mend, but it turns out it's not over yet. Three shadowy Reploids have been deserving X the entire time, and they now feel confident in taking him on. Calling themselves the really dumb name of the X-Hunters. I don't think I need to tell you why they're calling themselves that. Yeah. Uh, these are made up of three Mavericks by the name of Agile, 
violent and surges uh agile is a purple uh maverick who's like they all look humanoids but they like all have the same sigma look of like man they just put some rubber skin on you yeah Uh, yeah agile is like thin tall and purple he has a sword uh violin is short stout very spiky and he has a spike ball like kind of a ponytail and surges who's the leader looks like an old man robot with like a fake eye and whatnot Mm -hmm. and there's a really dumb detail we're going to get into him about later that i absolutely hate these are the worst dragon ball movie henchmen i've ever seen they are such dragon ball movie henchmen and they are just (laughs) as disposable damn they literally just exist for for goku x to just run through yep (laughs) just job them out Mm mm-hmm so they start a new Maverick Rebellion with eight new fun animal Mavericks. These include a cucumber called Wire Sponge, which I learned that apparently <laughs> it's a type of cucumber that actually uh, the Japanese back in the day used to dry up and use as a sponge. So that's cool. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I used to think that was really laughable until I actually read about it. I was like, oh, okay, no, that name makes sense now. Yeah. Uh, this next one doesn't. A cocoon Maverick who hatches into a robot moth... <laughs> And an angry ostrich. Sure. <laughs> hey, question. If X gets stronger with every fight, why did they wait six months to take him on? Well, you know, <laughs> they're not very smart. <laughs> when, you, when you learn a little bit more about surges, you may, you, you're, you're going to understand. Okay, fair. So, in fact, actually, we're, gonna, we're about to get into... The, oh, no. Before we get into that, so... It turns out that the Maverick Hunters recovered Zero's control chip, but never any of his parts. The mm. X-Hunters have Zero's parts. Okay. And so they're like, hey, X, come and fight us, and maybe you'll get the parts back, because they're trying to lure him to a trap. So uh-huh. X wants his friend back, so he's going to go do this. So a little note on the X-Hunters. They're not interesting outside of Surges. Mm-hmm. So Surges, once again, is the leader of the Hunters, looks like a robotic old man. He's notable, however, because there's an implication that he's Dr. Wily in some way. Right. Okay. This is yeah. referenced. Yeah. So this is referenced in the Japanese version when he mistakes X for Mega Man. And once he's defeated, he's upset about being taken down by one of Light's creations. So it's only those two. And it's kind of like make what you will of it. Okay. This is This is not the last time the series does this, by the way. So this is... I need to stop drawing Dragon Ball conclusions, but this is some Red Ribbon Army nonsense. Yeah, it's talking. Yeah, just like some slight Dr. Jiro vibes. Yeah. I put my brain in this robot body. It's great. How did you do that? (laughs) He found the way. He just, I just, (laughs) I just did. Uh, But yeah, does it, does it make more sense why they waited six months now? Yeah, yeah, it sure does. That, that is a wily-ass wily plan. It sure is. Let what me if just I... wait until the most inconvenient time for me. What if I make eight robots that X can absorb their powers from? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I will no. just wait for him to get slightly stronger and then throw ammo at him as I lure him into the perfect trap. <laughs> exactly. If I give him this E-Tank, maybe he'll gain too much power and he'll, like, overload. <laughs> oh, but yeah, so it, then he oh. sticks the reconstructed zero on him, right? Well, it depends on how the game goes. So oh. 
If you get all of uh, Zero's parts back, no. If you don't, then yes. I see. Wait. So, he... Okay, wait. So his plan, after six months, is he had collected Zero's parts Mm -hmm. and then left them lying around, not reconstructed, for X to find as he threw eight relatively ineffectual robot masters at him. To be fair, each one of them has one of the parts, and he couldn't reconstruct them because the control chip is at Maverick Hunter HQ. Okay. Yeah. I s- okay. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so like, if you don't get all the parts back, they break into Hunter HQ and get the control chip, whereas if you get all the parts back, Dr. Kane reassembles Zero. Probably Why didn't faultily. they just break into Maverick Hunter HQ? Why wasn't that step one? So I think because they wanted the parts so they could lure X into a trap. Why didn't they just reconstruct Zero and use the reconstructed Zero to lure X into a trap? Also, why wasn't Zero the trap? You see, you're coming up with better (laughs) plans than they could. (laughs) Why wasn't the strongest Maverick Hunter ever other than maybe Sigma the trap? (laughs) Yeah, you think that would make sense, but nope. Nope. So, canonically, X does get the parts back, okay. and he, he infiltrates their base in the Arctic, and after destroying all the X-Hunters one by one, Sigma comes back, and his voice is heard, telling X that he's been waiting for him to come to the central computer, because he has a surprise for him. X does that, and he finds a black-armored Zero standing next to Sigma, and Sigma's like, hey, your friend's upset that he was left to die and wishes to get his revenge, but then the real Zero shows up and just blows up the fake. And then Sigma's like, ah, curses, and runs away. And so, like, X pursues him. And he fights Sigma, who now has Wolverine claws for some reason, and destroys his body. So the fight seems to be over, except now a giant wireframe of Sigma's head just sort of peers out of nowhere and attacks X. And X is able to actually shoot and damage it. Sure. So X manages to defeat Sigma, and as he's blowing up, he curses X again and wonders out loud why Zero didn't choose to help him. Because he is the last of the Doctor's creations. Which we, Doctor? Yeah, boy, I wonder. We don't get any further explanation as he proceeds to blow the hell up. Okay. So I'm still mad that the real Zero isn't the fight. <laughs> I mean, if you do, if the non-canonical version, you do fight him. And he's very easy to manipulate. Like, why didn't they just take those parts, put black armor on them, break into Maverick HQ, and reprogram Zero to fight X? Yeah, I'm not really sure. I'm just reciting the most stock anime plot at this point. (laughs) But I feel like it's better than, oh, we made another Zero, I guess. Yeah. The one thing... You'll learn from X2 and X3 as well, is that they're kind of disposable. Like, they're good games to play. Right. Boy, their story is just like, you could just excise these. You could just say Zero came back, and you're probably okay. Right. If it wasn't for, like, one fact in Mega Man X3 that we technically have to talk about because it has implications. All right. Which, speaking of, X3. Yeah, hit me. So, once again... I'm going to keep this short. There's not much to say. So there's a replicate scientist by the name of Dr. Doppler who comes up with a vaccine for what's now called the Sigma virus. So it turns out that 
the new batches of rep plays that are going crazy aren't because of like mechanical flaws or anything like that, but it's because mm-hmm. that virus head, that little wireframe head of Sigma, turns out that is a, the manifestation of a virus called the Sigma virus, which if it infects you, it makes you go crazy. Uh, affects a rep play anyways. Right. So he, Dr. Doppler, hears uh, the victims of the virus and seemingly makes them better. And he builds a replay city called Doppeltown. And things seem to be going well. His city is kept safe by his very own, and this is a red flag, Nightmare Police. What? <laughs> yeah, just the Nightmare Police. Why would he make that? I don't know. Well, you need to have the police. You gotta make them sound scary, I guess. So we'll call them the Nightmare Police. <laughs> okay, so this guy's basically Magneto. He basically is, yeah. Yeah, he has a very Magneto sort of look. I, I don't have a picture of him up, but uh, mm-hmm. he has like a very long white beard, like a white tuft of hair on top. And yeah, he, he has a very Magneto sort of look to him. So yeah, uh, just without the helmet. But yeah, uh, he has his nightmare plates. They're led by officers named Bit and Bite, which is a little on the nose. And, yeah. and yeah, things seem to be good. Like, But then Dr. Doppler soon goes maverick himself and... Pierce succumbs to the virus, declares war on humanity, and a lot of his citizens go along with him. So X and Zero head to fight Dr. Doppler and his eight main mavericks, which consist of a seahorse who can turn into acid, a bee robot who can make smaller bee robots who then attack people by blowing up. (laughs) (laughs) That is literally just a Cards Against Humanity card. Uh, And and the kind of dumb Volt catfish. (laughs) Sure. The long and short is that X and Zero defeat these Mavericks, the Nightmare Police, and confront Doppler, who reveal he's been working with Sigma all along and is constructing an invincible new body for him. Upon Doppler's defeat, he's seemingly cured of the Maverick virus somehow, and implores X to stop Sigma, telling him where his body is. So X makes his way there, battles Sigma, and destroys the body. Sigma virus comes out and threatens to infect X. But thankfully for X, Dr. Doppler shows up and absorbs Sigma virus. He's like, I loaded myself to the antivirus program! And I'm going to take care of him the only way I know how. He blows himself up. I guess that's the only way that the vaccine, the antivirus program can work. You got to gotta blow up a replay. I don't... Okay. <laughs> so, X is saddened by this, and as he stands on a cliff with Zero, the unnamed narrator says, Why must humans fight against replays? And why must replays fight against each other? And the narrator then inexplicably says that unknown to X, his destiny is already decided. To save mankind, he must destroy Zero. What? Yeah, that's kind of out of nowhere, isn't it? No one mentioned that. Yeah, that's kind of come out of nowhere. It's just like, yeah, no, in order to do this, X, X gotta, gotta blow up the Zero. Save humanity. From what? From Zero? I guess. Yeah, there's absolutely zero lead-up, other than a very, very, very vague mentioned that maybe he's built by dr wiley and even then mm-hmm. zero hasn't done absolutely nothing other than like his initial being maverick phase right. to be like hey i'm a threat so that actually reminds me like everything about this maverick virus says that it was like something they made up for x3 almost as like a retcon Except for the whole thing where they found Zero going crazy and then he was fine. So to be fair about that fact, well, I have to. I would actually look have to look back into it to see if that's actually in the Mega Man X instruction manual. Right. Because the the Zero going crazy part that ex, that that explanation comes from Mega Man X Four. 
Okay. Yeah, I just felt it was better to put that yeah, in there. Because yeah. it doesn't enough. really contradict anything. Right. But yeah, it, it, everything about the Maverick virus seems like they want to explain Sigma's dumb head and also want to give a very convenient explanation as to why Reploids are going crazy. Other than the obvious of maybe Reploids don't like being bossed around by humans or maybe they have free will and they can make bad decisions. Right. So, so separate question. Um, humanity has been under siege from robots going rogue and killing humans for a year now. Yeah, something like that. And Dr. Doppler's just like, hey, I'm going to make a floating city of uh, reploids, only reploids, just filled with reploids. Mm. And all of humanity was like, yeah, cool, you do that? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, they're gonna have a response to that in Mega Man X Four, but yeah, yeah, they, they okay. were kind of they were kind of cool with that. I mean, to be fair, like Doppler seemed like he was on the up and up, and he mm-hmm. seemed to like have cured the Sigma virus. Why did he want to make that city? I I think he just wanted to have a convenient place for Replace to go to get cured. I'm not really sure. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, like X Three is a very disposable plot, other than the fact that I that seems to be the first instance and. In, Anybody who listens to this, please feel free to correct me. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first instance where, like, the Maverick virus is mentioned. Right. right. And it, it's such a big, big deal for the rest of the yep. series. So, Mega Man X4. This is a pretty big one, along with X5. So, I have some good news for you, Alex. Mm-hmm. Dr. Kane's dead. Okay, cool. Sometime between X3 and X4, he passes away. But before he left this mortal plane... He has one more bad idea. Would you like to guess what that bad idea is? Did he make like a space satellite robot? He might actually have. Um, I'm not sure if the final what the final weapon that's in this game is if it was built by him or not. But wouldn't be shocked. No, he he built a robot. He built a replicate army. Why? <laughs> He's literally tried that like three times before. And every time was to defeat the Reploid army he made last time. Right? Yeah. He's like, what if I keep getting these ro- these Reploids bigger and bigger guns? Then you just, they just point those bigger guns at you. Well, then I need to make bigger guns and also bigger Reploids. Okay, so did he put all of these Reploids under the command of some singular commander Reploid or something? Yeah, his name's General. Here's a picture of him. Just General. Yeah, his name's just General. Not General Fear or General Dreadlock or something. Just Nope, just General. Alright. Does he have, like, proper mind control over the Reploids? Or is, does he just tell them to do things? Oh, no, he's apparently just like a... He's just like a kind of an honorable general. Yeah, he, he's an honorable, level-headed reploid who believes in working with humanity and generally was very protective of the soldiers. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right, he's and then a, he... He's also literally giant, by the way. Okay, cool. Like, 20 feet? 30 feet? Um, he is like... I'd say 10 times the size of X. Okay. Yeah, something mm-hmm. like that. His scale's, like, all over the place, also. Like, in some cutscenes, he's, like, kind of, like, normal-sized. In other cutscenes, he's incredibly giant, and when you fight right. him, he's just like towering over X, and it's like, y'all just couldn't decide, could you? Yep, whatever it needed to be. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so he catches the Sigma virus? Well, no, actually. So, hmm. 
Dr. K creates the Rebel Force, a military organization meant to help out the Maverick Hunters fight Mavericks and assist in further research and development of other Repelites. Once again, they're led by a giant Repelite named General and his second command named Colonel. <sighs> I hate this guy. Colonel, um, Colonel's wearing, like, kind of like a military-style hat. He has, like, a black and red color scheme. He uses, like, a lightsaber. Uh, he has kind of, like, almost, like, a solid red beard. It's, it's hard to say. It's, like, more like a chin strap. It's, look up a picture of him. He's, he's kind of hard to describe in a way. But he, he has, like, a very formal military look. Okay, well, I can describe him. Uh, he's a black and red robot with shoulder spikes, a bison hat, and a lightsaber. All right, you know that, that's that's. This that's is your guardian. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is his second command. Yeah, how's he's... that go? Oh well, while the while I've already described the general as very honorable and level-headed, the colonel himself is very prideful and full of honor, and hates it when people insult his honor. Despite this, he's good friends with Zero. I mean, no, that makes perfect sense, actually. It kind of does, actually. I, I guess I, I never really described Zero's personality. As Zero's very stoic. Like, he's very much, like, he, he doesn't, like, really profess to actually really want to help humanity, but he wants to help mm. the people he believes in. Like, he believes in X, so he wants right. to help out X. And so, like, he's he can be very, like, callous mm. and, like, has, like, no problem blowing some, blowing some replicates up. Yeah. Like, that's kind of his general thing. Very anime badass. Very, very. So, things are going very poorly in the world of Mega Man X at this point, because Maverick revolts are on the rise and in general humanity seems to think the rebel force and the hunters are kind of failures for not being able to stop this which mm-hmm. not wrong this leads to a shadowy meeting at the general's home where Repley clad in a robe who is very clearly sigma <laughs> <laughs> tells the general that the maverick hunters are a threat because like humanity's like maybe we need to get rid of the rebel force and just reform the maverick hunters so like the rebel force is like uh, hey whoa what <laughs> and like he thinks that, like, the Maverick Hunters are, like, Six Sigma is. Thinks the Maverick mm-hmm. Hunters are doing too much to please the humans. And that involves hunting replicas at all costs. And he's like, hey, that's kind of messed up. They're hunting our brothers. And the general seems to agree with a lot with what he's saying. Mm-hmm. But then this weird Grim Reaper dressed up Sigma, because he literally has a laser scythe. Sure. Tells him, hey, you should crush them. And the general's like, nope. He grows very cold, dismisses him, tells Sigma that he's not going to betray the humans. Sigma's like, very well. He says, you're going to regret this, and walks away laughing. Okay. So, meanwhile, Zero's at the hunter base, and he's resting when he has a dream of his own. He is awakened by a shadowy figure with weird bat wing hair and a weird bushy mustache, and he's in shadow and whatnot, who tells him that he is his masterpiece before ordering to destroy his rival. He then dreams of Sigma, dead reptoids, and literal blood on his hands before waking to an emergency signal. Mavericks have occupied the Sky Lagoon, a weird city that's floating above another city, and uh, X and Zero take off to beat the Mavericks. However, when they get there, it's a little too late. The Mavericks have damaged the Sky Lagoon beyond repair, and uh, another Maverick country that's there, by the name of Magma Dragoon, you could probably guess he's going to be a traitor, Yeah, (laughs) tells X and Zero that the Sky Lagoon is about to fall to Earth, they need to escape. So they do so... And one city crashes into another, and both are annihilated. X and Zero proceed down to the ground to look for survivors, and Zero does manage to find one, a reploid woman by the name of Iris. Oh boy. So Iris is a um, member of the Repl Force. She is wearing kind of like a blue and red skirt, 
and uh, like dress and skirt combination has very long mm-hmm. brown hair looks like looks like the kind of robot who's constantly like we should be peaceful and whatnot and we sh- nothing bad should ever happen which is exactly her personality she just does not want people to fight right so iris is a uh, colonel's sister so you're probably asking yourself how can a replay have another direct like brother or sister mm-hmm. aren't they all brothers and or sisters so the reason being is because Colonel was originally meant to be a perfect soldier modeled after X. So he was supposed to be a pacifist who fights because he has to. However, the scientists realized that's like kind of like goes against its own nature and that's just right. not going to work. So they split it into two. So the pacifist counterbalance is Iris, who basically is there to be like, Big Brother, please don't fight. When Colonel's like, my honor. So Iris is also Zero's love interest, if not outright girlfriend. You can see the tragedy forming. Yeah. So after defeating a giant dragon robot, X encounters Colonel, who happens to be there trying to find Iris. X tells Colonel that she's safe, and then notes, hey, there was a bunch of rebel force on the Sky Lagoon that I had to literally fight my way through. Uh, what were y'all doing here? And like Colonel's like, hey, we are here to help rescue people. And X is like, hey, this just seems really odd. Can you... Disarm yourself and come back to Hunter HQ for questioning. And Colonel flips out. He's like, oh, so you want me to drop our weapons? A soldier never drops our weapons until we're about to die. And X tells him, hey, listen, if you don't do this, you might be labeled as Mavericks. And Colonel's like, hey, fine. We'd rather fight and die than scar our pride and just leaves. So where's Iris during this? Isn't she supposed to be the counterbalance? She is, but she's kind of with Zero and she goes back to like Maverick HQ, Maverick Hunter HQ. Okay. Yeah, so the next day, the general holds a conference where he announces his intention for the rebel force to rebel after being wrongfully accused as Mavericks. He knows he does, he wants to establish a nation for Reploids with their own individual liberty rights and that they aren't fighting to destroy humanity. They just want to make their own nation where they have their own individual liberties and they can make their own decisions, mm-hmm. which is kind of kind of on a side a little bit. Just, yeah, a little bit. Just a touch. Yeah. Yeah, and everyone seems to be really on board with this, especially Sigma, who's very pleased by this development. So the humans are immediately like, hey, Maverick Hunters, you need to stop this. So X and Zero set out to fight the Rebel Force, and they're aided by both Iris, who pleads with Zero not to fight, but reluctantly helps him, and this idiot called Double, a weird yellow, like, kind of like basketball-shaped replay with a football helmet, who's like kind of a coward. He's the one who helps out X. Mm -hmm. So they proceed to take on eight Mavericks, a mix of Rebel Force agents as well as a mix of uh, Mavericks working directly for Sigma. Which is actually really cool. You can actually, when their like, life bars show up, you can see if they have like the Sigma logo, it's a Sigma robot. And if it's like right. a Rebel Force logo, it's a Rebel Force robot. It's a nice little touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of these robots, though, uh, include a mushroom that can split into two. A peacock that lives on the internet. And Magma Dragoon, who's not only a traitor, but is basically Akuma from Street Fighter. Oh. Yeah, his fighting scheme actually involves him shooting Hydukens and doing uh, Shoryukens and all that. He's actually a ton of fun to fight. Yeah, I believe that. So they end up destroying all of them. And this includes the Rebel Force Air Force, a train, a bunch of secret bases, and they eventually force them to retreat to a space station that also happens to have a giant laser attached to it. Yeah, of course it does. Mm-hmm. So X and Zero race off to the nearby spaceport to go and stop Rebel Force from using it. Wait, who built that space station? So, unknown, I think it was Rebel Force, but I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, it's called People... the Final Weapon. What's up? 
people were just like, yeah, you go build that space station with the giant laser. That's cool. Yeah, and the thing is, the laser is strong enough that it may have the potential to, like, wipe out humanity. Yeah, what would be the practical pro-human application of that laser? Uh, yeah, that's a real good question. I do not have an answer. All right. <laughs> you know, Zero, like, fights the colonel and destroys him, which causes Iris to run away from Maverick Hunter HQ. Hmm. And... Like, doubles at, like, Hunter HQ, and, like, he's, like, bumbling around being, like, a dumb robot, and, like, the other hunters are, like, laughing at him. He's like, man, you're a dumb robot. And then he gets a message to enact the plan. So he immediately transforms into a tall, evil robot and murders a bunch of them before retreating to the final weapon himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it turns out Double was a double agent. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow, right? Amazing. Amazing. X and Zero end up on the space laser and proceed to fight through it. X finds Double and just wrecks him because Double sucks. Mm-hmm. Zero runs to Iris, who's basically non-responsive to him and is holding like a strange energy crystal that when she like lifts up in the air, covers herself into a powerful armor and attacks Zero. What? Yeah, it's like it creates like a right armor around her and it's just like super powerful. Unfortunately, she's not able to defeat Zero, which she ends up kind of like expecting. She like professes she didn't think she could do so. Mm-hmm. And as she lays dying in Zero's arms, in a very, very infamous cutscene, she tells him that she did this all with the hopes that they could live together in a replicate utopia, free of humans. She's like, if only all the humans were dead, we could live together. And Zero's like, you know, that's impossible. And she's like, yeah, I know. And then dies. Well. And then, of course, Zero release, like, says a very, very famous infamous line what am i fighting for that you you should look if i'm sure anybody's yeah, been listening to seeing yeah, the cutscene I, I think i've come across this yeah but it's 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 a helpful cutscene maybe i'll link to it in the show notes so x and zero proceed deeper into the weapon when they encounter the general who's sitting on a very giant throne and he gets up and immediately flexes and destroys it x tries one more time to get him to stop the rebellion but he refuses and they fight and despite being like 20 times like the size of X, the general's unable to beat him. And he's like absolutely wrecked. Like he loses an arm and a leg and he's just sort of floating there. And then the weapon suddenly activates and like general's like, hey, I didn't order to do this. And then X and Zero head down to the core to stop it. There they encounter Sigma wielding, once again, a laser sickle and looking very Grim Reaper-like. Mm-hmm. So if you're playing as X, he doesn't have much to say to him. But the Zero, he basically tells him his origin, telling him how they found him, that he was a maverick who could do nothing but dis- to, like, destroy. And this is basically where we learned about how, like, Sigma fought against him and whatnot. And mm-hmm. how it was, like, all crazy-like. Right. So, X and Zero fight Sigma, who undergoes many forms, like, including, like, becoming, like, giant heads on the ground. Or, like, a weird floating mech with a giant gun. But, like, once they like, de- deal the final blow, he reveals he was just stalling them. And the weapon is nearly fully charged. They get to the core and they find the general who tells him he regrets his actions and he plans on making up for it. And he just stuffs his giant body into the core, blowing it up. And this proves very effective. The final weapon is destroyed and it, that ends the Great Rebel Force War. And that's Mega Man X4. Alright. I really, I really like the beats of that game's story. Yeah. Yeah, it's Mega Man X4 is often considered the second best X game, and not only because you get to play as Zero, like actually play as Zero, and not mm-hmm. just like a really bad version of them. Right. 
it's also just like a really great game great music and yeah like the story is perfectly serviceable and it's just it's just it's just kind of good it's just kind of a good story yeah like it okay so every at least all of the good stories in the x series and debatably i guess the entire Mega Man's series mm-hmm. feel to me like they have the same kind of flaw slash pattern which is like boy these are really interesting character circumstances that they're encountering it's a shame we won't do anything of substantial note with any of them yeah time to fight a boss yeah they introduce a lot of cool characters and then immediately discard them in favor of x-zero and and sigma yeah yeah it's, it's very very disappointing like, one thing I'll say about Iris, she does show up in one other game that we are going to talk about, like, not today, but next time. And it's, mm. like, a very minor role, but they at least bring her back for a prequel game. But, yeah. Right. It's what actually makes X5 kind of nice in that they actually introduce other replates who stick around. Mm-hmm. And even one who actually plays a major part in Mega Man X6. Hmm. So, speaking of that, let's talk about our final game for today. Mega Man X5. All right. So several months after the war of Repleforce, the world is rebuilding. Cities are repaired, and all but one of the space colonies have become fully operational again. This lone colony that uh, hasn't been fully repaired is called Eurasia. It's a particularly giant colony that's also very old. Mm-hmm. And so it's undergoing extensive renovation to keep it serviceable. However, unbeknownst to the humans and Maverick Hunters, a shadowy Reploid mercenary by the name of Dynamo, you know, show a picture mm-hmm. of that, has snuck into the colony and infected it with the Sigma virus, basically taking complete control of it. So Dynamo is a kind of like dark purplish Reploid with long silvery white hair, um, and he's wearing what is supposed to be a robot cowboy hat. Okay. Yeah, oh. it... Mm. You see it when it's actually described to you when you if you don't have a, actually told it is, it's like, wait, what the heck is that on his head? Yeah. He takes control of the colony, and we find out he's working with Sigma and he's completely devoted to him. He talks with Sigma how he's ready to let it fall at any time, but Sigma tells him to wait while he goes to the Earth to execute his plan. So nearby the hunter base, they immediately detect Sigma's back and is hiding somewhere near a giant statue in the middle of the city. So X and Zero go to investigate. And once they get to the statue, it, the statue's head explodes and reveals a giant Sigma head. So Sigma is clearly sandbagging this fight and loses mm. almost immediately, and it causes the head to explode. The hunters realize that they have messed up because this explosion somehow, and I don't know how it has, it manages to spread the Sigma virus all over the Earth. And now basically every replicate is starting to go maverick. The Sigma virus really seems to like explosions. It kind of does. It gets it, spread by explosions a lot. It does. It really, really does. We're going to be talking a lot about the Sigma virus going from this point forward, too. It, mm. Especially in this game. I hate the Sigma virus, but it's such a big plot point. Yeah. So, at the same time that this happens, the space colony Eurasia starts hurtling towards the Earth. And if it hits the planet, it very may very well wipe out all life, unless it can be stopped within 16 hours. So the hunters get together and form a plan, which, by the way, there's now an actual team of hunters. Okay. So you have X and Zero, but they are now led by a new man by the name of Cygnus. Cygnus, 
I swear to God, when I first played this game, I was like, why did they bring Colonel back? Because <laughs> he kind of looks an awful like that. He kind of has the same style head and whatnot. Like, right. Once you see like a full like body like image of him, you can kind of see like he is different. But right, since you don't usually see that, you just usually see his head. You're like, oh, Colonel, how's it going? And he even comment on that. Like the designers are like, we're worried he looked a little too similar to Colonel, but whatever. There's also another character who's our navigator by the name of Alia. Alia's not too too important in this game she becomes very important in x6 mm. but she is um basically the main support replicate for x and zero and as far as i know she is uh both her and cygnus are going to be the first two uh replicates who are actually going to live more than one game so congratulations to them all right yeah technically not even zero can claim that he died in the first game he showed up mm. so there's also two others uh douglas and lifesaver but we're not going to talk about them because by lifesaver's gone by the end of X five and Douglas is gone by the end of X six. Like not dead gone, they just aren't talked about. Yeah. So they all get together and decide that they're going to blow up Eurasia before it can hit the Earth. They're going to totally Armageddon this, and to do that, they're going to use an old giant laser cannon that conveniently lays at Hunter base. This cannon is called Enigma, and it's a piece of shit. So they need uh. to get parts to make it more effective. Parts that, that are being held by replicates who either don't like the Hunters or are in the process of going Maverick. And wouldn't you know it, there's eight of them. Yeah. <laughs> so these include a slightly pacifist grizzly bear arms dealer. A rose... Oh. Yeah, right? <laughs> a rose robot who is also a mutated control unit for Ukrainian jungle. Yes, Ukrainian jungle. The, the okay. jungles of the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And... A, a robot called Duff McWhalen. <sighs> so, fun fact. A lot of the bosses in X5 for the initial English release were, um, they were named uh, from, by a uh, localizer by the name of Allison Court. She named him after Guns N' Roses characters for her boyfriend, who's a big uh, Guns N' Roses fan. Okay. And, um, fun facts about her. She was the voice for Claire Redfield for 14 years until 2012. Oh wow! And also Jubilee from the X Men. Oh yeah, neat. yeah, it's, yeah, it's kind of neat. So X and Zero retrieve these parts and they fix up Enigma, and it very, very dramatically fires at the colony. Canonically, it fails. In game, it actually could succeed. Mm. So, but here it fails. So the hunters have to come up with a backup plan. The plan involves getting an old, like U.S. style space shuttle, filling it with explosives, and having Zero pilot to the colony. Then, okay, when did this game come out? Uh, 2000? Okay, so this is actually just Armageddon. Yes. It is so Armageddon. It's great. Someone just went, hey, what if Mega Man but Armageddon but Mega Man? Yep, pretty much. Alright, you know yeah. what? You know what? Fine. You know hey, what? It works. Sure. I, and I love how it literally is like a U.S. style, like space shuttle Endeavor looking like mm-hmm. shuttle as well. It, it's so good. Yeah. So the problem. Boy, is one, there were a lot of space shuttles being flown towards orbital threats in video games around this time. Yeah, there kind of was. I mean, the space shuttle was cool. Impra- yeah. Kind of impractical, but cool. Yeah. Hmm. So the problem is that the shuttle's old and bad. So they need to beat up more Mavericks and steal their junk to fix it up, which they do. They couldn't use the junk from the laser that failed? No, they needed, like, bigger fuel tanks and stuff. Oh. 
so the shuttle launches and impacts into Eurasia's planet, with Zero narrowly escaping the resulting explosion. A uh, fun fact, you could get all the parts and everything in this game and do everything you possibly could do and still fail, <laughs> mm. which would give you the bad ending. Neat. Yeah, fun fact. Um, Why did Zero need to be in the shuttle? Because he's the only one cool enough to do this. Uh Yeah. So, some of the colony still strikes the Earth and causes significant damage, but catastrophe seems to be averted. However, upon striking the Earth, the virus that was on the colony, which was like kind of a different strain of the Sigma virus, merges with the virus that's on the ground, and it creates a more powerful virus that strangely has a similar energy reading to zero. Okay, Capcom knows computer viruses aren't actually viruses, right? I'm not sure they do. I'm not sure they know how robots work. Or is this like a cyber-organic virus? I mean, it, it seems like it is, because, like, Sigma sort of can control the virus and manifest himself as it. It's... Well, it's it's really strange. It's... I... The the origins of the Zero virus, which we're about to talk to, talk about, mm-hmm. are not going to clarify any of this, but it is going to make it more confusing. Okay. So, this virus has similar energy readings to Zero, so they dub it the Zero virus, which seems rude. Mm. And Zero decides that, hey... I've always felt like this weird energy inside me. I need to know, know what's up with this. So he goes off to like... He has? You know, figure it out. And X falls shortly along after him. So before this even happened, like, uh, Cygnus got a report from Lightsabers and they said, hey, it seems like we detected the Sigma virus in Zero. And Cygnus is like, well, he has come in contact with uh, Sigma and all that, but he's not gone crazy, so it's probably fine, but we should keep an eye on him. And like, that's kind of the crux of like Zero's like, like, moral conundrum is like hey i should be infected with this but somehow i haven't why mm-hmm. and in case you're wondering why x hasn't dr life foresaw that there was probably going to be a really bad computer virus and there was like running around making robots going crazy so he's mm-hmm. like i'm just gonna put the best antivirus program on x and i'm a genius so he didn't feel like leaving that antivirus program for anyone else to install in any other robots no okay <laughs> dr light yay so they fight through the remains in the colony, which is like really strange and trippy. It's like they're in a 90s version of cyberspace with like everything super blocky and there's grids everywhere. And they fight mm-hmm. classic bosses from Mega Man as well as earlier in the X series. Like they fight the Yellow Devil and like they fight like a Mega Man X1 boss. And there's like a static logo in the background that's slowly becoming clearer and clearer until X finally catches up to Zero and confronts him. X is deeply concerned about his friend and worried he's been affected with the virus and wants to take him back to the base for a workup. Zero refuses, and when X threatens to fight him, Zero claims he's the one who's actually a maverick, and so they immediately start fighting. Okay. So, yeah, remember back when it's like X's destiny is to defeat Zero or whatever? Right, sure. This is the culmination of that. Mm-hmm. So the logo in the background comes into focus, and we see it's Dr. Wily's old logo. Right. So they fight, it's a draw, and they're totally exhausted on the ground. As they're laying on the ground, Sigma appears and tries to destroy X, only for Zero to jump in front of him and shoot Sigma, causing him to retreat. Zero then pursues Sigma and confronts him in front of two capsules, one blue and one red, you know, meant to signify... And they apparently are the original capsules for X and Zero somehow. Mm -hmm. Zero is then told by Sigma that he was met by a strange old man who knew an awful lot about him, and he's the one who gave him the idea about spreading the virus. 
So this was all in hopes of revealing Zero's true nature and the truth about the virus. So I think it's now time we talked about Zero's deal. Okay. So Zero's deal is that he's created by Dr. Wiley. Sure. Now, Capcom has never actually confirmed this. They've always winked and nodded to this, but like literally at the end of like this Mega Man fighting game called Mega Man the Power Fighters or the Power Battle, mm-hmm. uh, there's literally Wiley's like, hey, look, Baze, I'm working on this new robot. It's the outline schematics for Zero. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like he's clearly did. They just It's just Capcom always likes having one card back. It's just what they do. Sure. And so, basically, he was built for the sole purpose of destroying everything Dr. Light ever built and accomplished. However, much like Dr. Light and X, Wily was never going to live to see that. And furthermore, Zero's programming was incomplete. So, Wily sealed away in the capsule, basically to be finished, and created a virus that would combine with Zero and finish his programming and reveal his true nature. So, what happened is that when he was activated at some point before Mega Man X... He was absolutely crazy because the virus hadn't finished his job of programming him. So he then fought Sigma. Sigma got infected with the virus and it mutated inside of Sigma and became what was called the Sigma virus because Sigma was just just so well programmed or something. I don't know. Okay, sure. So Zero only got a little bit of virus, enough to finish his programming and make him just like kind of okay, but it didn't give him his directives. So Sigma wanted to give him such a dose of the Sigma virus that it would reactivate his old programming. Hasn't he been surrounded by the Sigma virus this whole time? Yeah, but I guess it's kind of like he just needed like a real big punch all at once, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, it's like how, you know, sometimes you have to like, like if you get like a really bad infection, you have to get like a really big dose of like penicillin. Right. Mm-hmm. Which I know there's other antibiotics where that's, that doesn't work. Don't, I'm a nurse, don't at me. But... <laughs> <laughs> but my point being is that, you know, you just needed, he needed it all at once. Little, little do- the microdosing wasn't working. Okay. So, pretty much Sigma reveals all this to Zero, who immediately rejects it and fights Sigma, ultimately defeats him. This does a number on Zero, though, and all that's left with him is an arm, a torso, and a head. So X comes to, like, rescue him, picks him up, only to have, like, a weird skull machine version of Sigma rise out of the ground, shoot a giant beam through both of them, and, like, just, like, mortally wounds both of them. X drops Zero. Zero raises Buster one last time and kills Sigma. Zero then, mortally wounded, begins to dream. He feels pain. He dreams of his creator, Dr. Wily. Sees Iris one last time and dies. X himself is also mortally wounded, but as he lays dying, a mysterious blue figure shows up and tells X it isn't his time yet. He awakens later in Hunter Base, somehow repaired, and no one can explain what happened. Except me. Do you want to hear what's actually maybe the stupidest thing in this entire game, Alex? Yeah, let's go for it. So, Dr. Light throughout the series has been a hologram, right? He's mm-hmm. not hes not actually there. Right. I mean, he's just like, hey, I got a message for you. Here's this armor. I've made at least up to this point nine different armors. Crazy, right? Anyways, mm-hmm. I was really prepared. Mega Man X5, you can discover the capsules with Zero. And when Zero does... Dr. Light's like, hey, you're Zero. How's it going? Thanks for helping out, X. Can you take the, this armor part? Which means he's sentient. Right. He's a living hologram. And apparently he can leave the capsules and get X and repair him. And break him the places. Okay. There was 
literally any other direction they could have gone with that that would be less stupid. Yeah. And, like, this is... The entire conceit is, like, nobody still understands how X or Zero are built. So nobody would have been able to repair them except Dr. Light. But at the same time, it's like... Like, with Wily coming back, it's like, you don't need to do this. It's hundreds of years. They're dead. They're gone. Right. Like, you get to see, like, little time capsules of, like, Dr. Dr. Light, and that's kind of cool. But you, you don't need to do this. Why wasn't it Mega Man? Why not? Yeah, whatever happened to Mega... Why can't Mega Man come back? That'd be cool. Yeah, it's... It's so stupid. It is so absolutely dumb. Also, is Zero not Proto-Man? I mean, he's not, but... He... While he's studying Proto-Man schematics and building base is what eventually led him to building Zero. Right. Did he... Did Wiley not, like capture proto man and turn him into zero or something oh no that never happened okay the the blue and red capsules that were in wily's base when zero got there could those not have been like mega man and proto man's capsules or something no if i remember correctly canonically those are x's capsules and zero's capsules okay yeah sigma somehow just grabbed them and carried them there so, they could have tied all this together in a dozen different ways, and they were just like, nah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, they, they went for the dumbest possible explanation. Okay. But yeah, like that's Mega Man X5, and now we have a major shift. Zero's dead, and this is was supposed to be the end of the Mega Man X series. Mega Man X4 actually didn't sell well, and it was three years until Mega Man X5 came out, and so it was kind of like the last hurrah. Kenji Inafune meant for this game to be the final one, and he was going to move on to his Mega Man Zero series next, where Zero is now going to be the protagonist. Right. Unfortunately, Mega Man X5 did do well, and Capcom decided to make a Mega Man X6, and boy, howdy, does it get, does it get bad. But that... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't know much about the plot from here on out. But I do know there are some things... I do know some things about Zero. And mm-hmm. I do know some things about X7. And those things don't make much sense in parallel to each other. They do not. They absolutely do not at all. And so I'm going to I'm gonna leave you all with a, with a question to ponder. Do Reploids have either DNA or souls? And if so, why? (laughs) (laughs) We'll find out that answer next time as we hopefully finish up the rest of the Mega Man X series, get into Zero and ZX, and then somehow find a way to tie this all to Mega Man Legends of all things. And boy, it's... It's going to get bad. A lot of people are going to die. <laughs> but yeah, Alex, how are you feeling? I don't... So you mentioned The Incredibles before. Mm-hmm. And you remember how the villain in The Incredibles is maybe the smartest human being ever to exist, but he's also a crazy person? Yeah. That's how I feel about Dr. Wily. Yeah. I feel like if Dr. Wily was just 
slightly less absurdly insane, mm-hmm. this would be a very different course of events. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, he creates a virus that causes robots to go crazy. He Yeah. He makes well, no. a super ultimate robot that's incredibly powerful. Like, he so somehow manages to that, live for, like, forever. Th- he Okay, so he decided to make the ultimate robot to get one over on Dr. Light, albeit after they're both dead. Mm-hmm. But screw it, legacy and all that. But, oh, no. the I can't complete the programming. Okay, well... Could you lock the robot in a capsule for 30 or 50 or however long years and have a, you know, an artificial intelligence that builds other artificial intelligences basically finish the programming? Hmm. No, I'm going to develop what appears to be an airborne techno-organic virus (laughs) that will infect this robot. And then do exactly that in what appears to be, I don't know, eight months? Yeah. Yeah, basically. And it's like, wait, hold on, though. If the virus could fix his programming, why not do it immediately? Yeah, or do it in the capsule that he apparently has. Yeah, it's... And also you can make a techno-organic virus that reprograms robots? And also, you decided to do that. <laughs> yeah. Like, and it's I... incredible that you could and terrible that you did. So it's, it's like this thing where I, I think there's like a lot of like really bad character assassination that happens to Dr. Wily in the X-Series. Yeah. Because like in the Mega Man series, he's like just kind of a, he's kind of like a bumbling fool, but he, like, he doesn't like actually hurt anybody. Right. Or at least not overtly in like... When good things are done to him, he does good things back. Like, he comes up right. with the, the cure for the Roboenza and, like, distributes it when he's saved by Mega Man. Like, he's he's capable of not being a dick. Right. And then, like, in Mega Man X, he's like, I'm teaming up with Sigma. Where, well, his impl- it's, there's an implication. It's never confirmed. That he teams up with Sigma, who's trying to wipe out all of humanity. It's like, bro. But wait, like, how, how old is Sigma? Um, I mean... He was created some point before Mega Man X. Like, the time frames that happen in the Mega Man X series are really weird. Like, you get six right. months later, or you get, like, three years later, and they're often retconned. But also, Sigma wasn't evil until after X was on the scene. Mm-hmm. But then Sigma turned evil because of the virus. But also that virus came after Reploids already started going rogue, so that wasn't the only reason Reploids went rogue. Yeah, so there's like some there's some documentation out there that apparently when X got his antivirus program, this the Maverick virus was already floating around. Okay. Which I hate that explanation so much. Yeah. Mostly because it's like, there's plenty of reasons for them to go crazy and do bad things. Right, you don't There's, need the virus. Yeah, and to be fair, it seems like later, like later, like canonical works and whatnot have uh, backed away from that a little bit. Like, there's at least one or two that actually addresses the idea of like, oh, replates and doing jobs they may not want to, and maybe wanting to rebel because of that. Like, they actually do try to explore that a little bit, but they're also like, but ninety nine percent of them are totally okay. 
It's like, uh, are they, though? <laughs> also, it makes Sigma really hard to be, like, the over-the-top villain that he is. Because, mm-hmm. like, he's a victim of the virus, too. Yeah. But also, he's the Grim Reaper? Yeah, right? Like... Like, did you... man, there's... Oh, go ahead. Oh. With him being the actual virus, there is some interesting... They do go to some interesting places that we'll actually talk about in X6 with that. Mm. But yeah, it's also like, I don't know. I, I like the idea that he just decided, like, hey, humanity sucks. Yep. Like, it'd be cool if like, he like just manifested himself as the virus. Like, hey, this is the way I can continue living forever. Right. But no, it has to be Dr. Wiley's doing, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. One thing about this series is that even though they wanted to make a clean break from Mega Man, they can't help but also continue to include Mega Man in it. Right. But they won't go all in on it either. They won't. They will never tell you whatever happened to Mega Man base or whatever. Uh, they will They will never give you... They will never actually give you a total definitive answer about Zero. I mean, we basically have one, but like I said, they've never admitted that Wily created Zero. Right. And they never will. But it doesn't make sense if he didn't. It doesn't, but, you know, there was, who knows, there could be, like, a proposal of, like, hey, what if uh, this Mega Man X game, we find out that Zero actually wasn't made by Wily or something stupid. Yeah. Because it would not be out of character. They're leaving themselves room to make it worse. Yeah. And that's the Capcom way. (laughs) Yeah, boy, it sure is. (laughs) Oh, man. God, I cannot wait to talk about the Zero series. Oh. (laughs) But yeah, I think that's going to do it for us today. Once again, I'm Michael with Alex. And uh, we'll be back with next week because this is a two-parter. So we're going to be recording next week. And we'll answer all these questions and more as we dive into Mega Man X6 and beyond. Take care, everybody. Bye.